Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to uh, your new C report for July 5th, 2021. That is a Monday. It's actually a rainy Monday here over in um, Texas. Yeah, we're having quite a bit of rain this afternoon. Uh, the storms rolled in along eh, about, I don't know, gee, uh, probably about a couple of hours ago. They are coming down pretty hard over here. But you know what? That's all good. That's all good. I hope everyone's having a great afternoon today. Having a great Monday. Happy. Uh, I hope you had a happy 4th of July weekend. I know we did here in my neck of the woods. We were pretty much uh, just doing our thing over here at the Sea Report all day and all afternoon long. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty good day. Pretty good day. So let me see here what we got going on this afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it looks like I've forgotten to do something. Just a moment, ladies and gentlemen, just one moment, just one moment. Okay, let's see here. Let's take this one off, remove that. Let's add this one, let's save the changes. Okay, <laughs> let's try that one more time. What do you say, ladies and gentlemen? Let's try that one more time. Okay. <laughs> you guys probably think I'm a freak. All right. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I accidentally clicked onto another, uh, another one of these streaming platforms and I did not get the one that I intended to. My bad, y'all. Okay. Well, welcome back. Welcome back. I don't know what you guys saw over there at the Foxhole app, but welcome. It's a Monday. What can I say? It's Monday the 5th. <laughs> Uh, hey, just V, what's going up? Uh, indeed, I am. I am now live at Foxhole, and yes, my voice is sexy again. Well, I mean, not now, no, because uh, clearly I had to adjust that. Now, I will figure, uh, maybe I'm just turning the machine on wrong and the wrong order or something like that, but we'll get, we'll get it wrapped up. So, yeah, I went ahead and adjusted that for you guys. So, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to go, but uh, welcome, everyone, to the C Report for Monday, July 5th, 2021. I'm your host, Mr. C. We are coming to you live here at <laughs> at uh, Twitch Trovo, and yes, now we are live at the Foxhole. Um, I had a I had um I had a little switch up on the streaming services just to be hey guys just V's over at, at Twitch right now. Uh, but you you yes you can definitely go back to the Foxhole app and I should be there live. I'm sorry just V that um, I accidentally got you out of uh, line <laughs> and it looks like Joy for Trump might have beat you to it uh, over at the Foxhole app. How you doing Joy for Trump and Pilled by the Rabbit. Uh, Pilled by the Rabbit says, uh, check out my pill profile to see one I thought you might like. 
Thanks for all the kind words yesterday. Oh, absolutely, Pilled by the Rabbit. And hi, Chatternuts. How are you doing? Uh, good to see you. Hope you're having a great Independence Day weekend. Yes, we did. Yes, we did indeed, Miss Ankavanka over there at Chatternuts. We had a great time. At least I, I had a great time. I hope you guys did too. Uh, but it was it was quite a festive and full, quite a festive and full um, holiday weekend. Uh, it seems like whenever the holidays come up, um, especially, you know, the patriotic ones, I can't help but just find myself on the streams, chatting it up and yucking it up with the friends, the patriots, the family, everyone out there. We had um, we had a, some pretty, pretty heavy and good discussions uh, the last couple of nights over at uh, um, Mr. C in the Dark. So for any of you all who do not know what Mr. C in the Dark is, well, that's just... Uh, uh, a late night show that I'll do sometimes uh, covering headlines and, and getting into some chat. And the great thing about it uh, this past um, holiday weekend is we actually had pretty good panels uh, between myself, the Texan, the Speak Uneasy, and also um, who's a weaponized truth joined us on one of the nights. Hugs to you, Mrs. Ankavanka. Hey there, Sugar Plum Bumpkin. How are you doing? And just to be welcome to the chat over at the Foxhole. Uh, sorry about that little mess up at the beginning, guys. That's why I restarted it. Like, it's going to look totally weird on all the other streams, but you know, I don't care. It's okay. It's okay. Things like that happen. It's Monday. It's rainy. It's very rainy over here, actually. Um, I was out on the uh, on the balcony earlier, and I was just like, oh, there's just too much lightning out here to be comfortable. So I had to come back in. Um, oh, yes. Yes, Miss uh, Chatternuts. That's what the replays are there for. Absolutely. Um, it was fun. You know, it was fun and educational <laughs> and educational. So we'll see. I do. We do those. I do those from time to time here at Mr. CTV. I don't know. I just call it what it is. Mr. CTV. We have a bunch of different shows. I, I try to do some other things like things that could be considered mildly entertaining, you know, like uh, live gameplay, um, just chat sessions with no politics involved whatsoever. Uh, but those things are still kind of getting off the ground. So, you know, it's OK in that regard. Uh, but anyways, I'm glad you guys found your way over to the channel and I uh, hope you guys are ready for a pretty good. Now, it was it was kind of a light news day. Um, and, you know, usually at the head of the week, uh, there's uh, usually more headlines and stuff to peruse through. So I found some interesting news items I think you guys might enjoy to hear about. Uh, we will touch a little bit on the election stuff going on. Not a whole lot, though. Not a whole lot on the election stuff. I kind of like to save it until, you know, I kind of like let the stories bottleneck just a little bit. So this way I got some, you know, real good uh, meaty substance to share with you guys. But we'll touch a little bit on that. Um, and also we'll talk about West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia making its first appearance here at the Sea Report. So uh, you know, there's always news. There's always news to talk about. Uh, never let anyone say that nothing's going on because certainly there is. Thank you for the cookie, Miss Chatternuts. I appreciate that. And hey, Weapon Nice Truth is in the chat right now. So for any of you who are uh, new to the Sea Report, we do a chat recap of last week's show or the last show yesterday's show uh at the head of every show so don't get confused i hear that some people uh it's their favorite confusion the part where i do the chat recap but it serves as a good preview also um uh, or uh, yeah preview of what happened last time uh, previously on as i like to say here but anyway so we'll be getting to that in just a minute and uh you know but first i just want to say a couple things now 
If any of you guys are interested in hearing the C report in podcast form, you know, maybe you don't have uh, the time to sit down and stare at a screen. Maybe you're out doing something or you're, you know, doing chores or maybe you're doing something creative and you just want to take a listen. We do have the C report over at anchor.fm. Now we are totally current on all the episodes that's all the ways up to episode 111 because of course today's episode 112 uh so if you guys would like you can check that out over there it's at uh, www.anchor.fm slash the c report and uh, you can check that stuff out there i mean it's got every episode i've ever done all 111 of them on there minus the uh minus what what do we not have on there we don't have the shadowgate documentary on there because obviously that was a watch party you know and then also we don't have the president trump rallies from sarasota or wellington on there uh i was trying to decide if i would put those on there or not but um so far i've opted not to and then of course it is the c report so the mr c in the darks are not on there i Either. But if you like to stay abreast on the C report and you don't have time to sit down, that's kind of like why I like podcasts sometimes because um, I'm, I get kind of stingy with my time when it comes to screens. Uh, so it's always better for me to have a podcast where I can listen and do things at the same time. But check it out. Why don't you at anchor.fm slash the C report. You can actually subscribe and these are free subscriptions, right? I don't charge for anything. Um, you can actually subscribe to the C report on your favorite podcast player. It is available on all podcast platforms except for like maybe iHeartRadio. But, you know, it's even on the big ones uh, that no one really cares about or listens to like Spotify, uh, um, I podcasts or iRadio, whatever they're called, Google, whatever, you know, go ogle, all that kind of good stuff. But anyways, so yeah, I just thought I'd let you guys know we are up to date on all of those podcasts. So if you would like to check it out, you're more than welcome to. And in the meantime, we also have the Mr. C Rumble account. That's uh, rumble.com slash C slash the C report. And uh, I'm still working on getting those uh, items and those shows uploaded to the Rumble account right now. We have a few very old podcasts on there uh, that are not even the C report, but they're still there nonetheless for your listening pleasure. If you'd like to see what Mr. C was like back in 2000, what, 19? <laughs> then you can go ahead and check that out too. Okay, just thought I'd let you guys know about that before we get underway. Just V, thank you for the can. I appreciate you much, ma'am. And uh, yeah, so let's see. What does that say? Do we have a Kiwi Croquet Girl in the house? Oh, do we have someone new in the house? Everybody, make Kiwi Croquet Girl feel welcome here at the Sea Report. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It says, good afternoon, everyone. Just home from the beach. Oh, my goodness, uh, Kiwi Croquet Girl or Crochet Girl. I'm probably saying that wrong. Well, uh, everyone will be all manners of envious of you since you got to hang out Surfside today. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and get into last week's chat recap before we get into today's. Now, we're not going to be recapping the chat from the Mr. C in the Dark shows. Those were adventurous, I have to admit. I did go back and reread them. Um, <laughs> very, very adventurous. I felt, felt I, I was really feeling for my, uh, my uh, Mr. C repeat offenders, especially when we have uh, individuals coming in who aren't being particularly kind to them. Uh, everyone would note, like everyone in the Mr. C uh, chat, um, they're all of big heart uh, and they're all very nice, kind, decent people. Uh, 
So um, um, I'm, I apologize that y'all had that little kind of a tidbit. I think it was it Saturday night, maybe. Uh, and at the same time, I apologize to that viewer that was that was feeling that way. I don't like anyone to feel uncomfortable in my chat, but um, I, I suppose maybe they didn't realize that I, I can't keep up with chat. I'm really bad at it. That's why we do the chat recaps. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, well, let's go back. Uh, let's go back to last week. Picture this Friday. July 3rd, 2021. We're hanging out at the Sea Report, right? Okay. Um, Just V was in the house. Joy for Trump. Diddy Style 93 looking up. Blonde Blue Lady Q gifting a phone off the bat. Joy for Trump gifting some shades. And oh, oh, because Joy for Trump said, okay, you guys heard it. Joy, uh, Just V heard it at the start of this. Uh, she said <clears throat> that the sexy voice was back. <laughs> so Joy for Trump gifted shades and said, maybe the shades will bring the sexy back. <laughs> Diddy style gifting a cookie, blonde lady Q. Oh, oh, this was that day. <laughs> this was that day. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, I didn't get to do this for you guys then. So I will now. Uh, the, the Friday was um, a very, uh, I, I'm still speechless about Friday last week, y'all. So uh, I don't know what quite words to say. Uh, blonde lady Q gifted a ship. <laughs> And a cookie, Joy for Trump, a cookie, just to be a cookie, Blonde Blue Lady Q, a cookie. And then the food fight started, y'all. The food fight started. At this point, I think there were enough cookies being tossed around. Uh, we had also a cookie from Just V, Joy for Trump with the cookie, Blonde Blue Lady Q with a cookie, Just V with a cookie. I can throw it farther than you can, Blonde Blue Lady Q. <laughs> Another cookie from Blonde Blue saying, just try me, V. Joy for Trump with the cookie. Two for one. I'm a better shot. Oh, my goodness. I didn't realize there was that much competition going on in the chat room that day. Uh, just V with the shades to better protect my eyes. Because after all, we had cookies and chips and stuff flying around. Not ships. That doesn't happen yet. I mean, like the chocolate chips and the little macadamia nuts and stuff like that. Uh, a can from Blue Lady, Blue, Blonde Blue Lady Hugh says she's throwing a can because it hurts more. <laughs> It'll leave a scar. No, just kidding. Tam Garal was also in the house in the midst of all of this. We had uh, Just V gifting a phone <laughs> to call for help in the cafeteria. Oh, my goodness. And then uh, Tam Garal joined in with a cookie. Blonde Blue with the phone. Uh, threw my old phone. <laughs> she threw her flip phone. Okay. <laughs> Wowzers. Oh, my goodness. And then, and then Pilled by the Rabbit joined. And then we also had more, more of this. Let's see. Let me go. If I, <laughs> let me see where this ends. Oh, wow. Okay. So I didn't realize. Okay. Just V with the cookie. Blonde Blue Lady Q with the cookie. Blonde Blue with another cookie. <laughs> Saying you better duck. And uh, Joy for Trump with the cookie heads up. Uh, Just V with the can. Back at you, BBLQ. Tam Grau with cookie. Ouch. Take that. I told you guys it was a food fight last Friday. You guys missed it. <laughs> and that's when Blonde Blue Lady Q pulled out the ship. And she tossed the ship. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Gift another ship. Um, the ship crashes. Uh, uh, Blonde Blue is having a blast. Uh, she threw another ship to sink your battleship. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so this is the recap, guys. This is the play-by-play -play from last Friday, I'm telling you. And I have to thank, I have to thank all of you for that as well. Um, I'm just glad we had a fun time doing it because I could not stop laughing. Um, Pilled by the rabbit, the system matches the Matrix movie on, you know, like the phone. Oh, okay. So at first I was like, what does that mean? Um, it's because the, uh, it's, be yeah, uh, all of the gift, all the gifts for the gold pills, uh, they are representative of the Matrix movie. So you have the gold pill, you have the shades, uh, you have the phone, uh, you have the ship. 
and um, uh, call me crazy, but I think I saw two new ships in there today, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know what ships those are. I mean, maybe they're the ones with the electromagnetic blasts or something like I don't know, but um, that's new. <laughs> that is definitely new. Um, okay, so let's see what else we had today. Uh, I mean, not today, Friday. Uh, we got some more. There, it's not over yet, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just V gifted a cam. She had to reach a ammo recharge. She says, "Blah blah, blah cute the cookie hit you when you weren't looking." <laughs> All of a sudden, snickerdoodles are flying from Just V, and then we had Blah Blah Q throwing another ship. She says, "Chips ahoy, suck!" But ships ahoy, rock. <laughs> and Just V threw a ship and said, "Ships ahoy, can crash." Oh my goodness! And then the phone. Call me if you want to talk about a truce, Just V. <laughs> I think Weaponized Truth is supposed to be on next week. Um, I, I think I saw something in one of the chats about Weaponized Truth having a show. And then I think he also mentioned it as well on his, um, on well, maybe it was when we were having that panel, if I'm not mistaken, Weaponized Truth. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, so that was, um, that was definitely, <laughs> let us know about it. Let us know about it. Um, uh, if that's the case, weaponized truth, so we can make sure to check that out. Hey, is that Methods in the house? What's going on, Methods? How you doing, uh, sir? Good to have you, and thank you for the can. I appreciate that. We were just recapping last week's chat. <laughs> uh, it was a little crazy in here. Um, we had a food fight that got pretty kinetic between <laughs> a few certain players. I won't name names, but I'm, I'm going to keep on reading down the list. Um, <laughs> But glad you stopped in, sir. Glad you stopped in. Always good to have you in the audience. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Blue Rinse gifted a cookie. And then we also had uh, the phone. Okay, so Jessie was given the phone because she was calling. Uh, she was waving her white flag. A truce. Um, we had a cookie from D Patriot 1776. Enjoy for Trump gifting a cookie. One more for the road. Boy, that was fun, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I'm glad you guys had a good time. <laughs> with that and I'm, I'm still speechless about the whole situation to be quite honest with you uh, okay so let's see what we had here now uh just v says news is finally getting out about the blood batteries for elon's evs uh blum blue bq asks blood batteries tell me more so yes uh just v had actually brought that to my attention probably like what about a week ago i think right um let's see blood batteries for and i meant to actually look it up prior to the show uh, Elon Musk. So let's see what we can pull up here. Actually, you guys posted an article in the chat, didn't y'all? Y'all sure did. Uh, Dpatriot1776 said, almost like blood diamonds, horrible conditions for the people who have to work mining cobalt. So uh, apparently uh, um, Elon Musk is in the ver is in the business of, uh, of uh, slave labor you know, practices for people to mine cobalt for his batteries. That is no bueno. That is no bueno. Let's see. Uh, I'll pull this one up here real quick also, because, yeah, I think this is actually the article that you guys dropped in the chat. Um, it says here also, oh, so then Jesse says the children in Africa, of course, mining for cobalt, getting similar name as blood diamonds mined there. Yeah, it was a times at co.uk. Let's take a look at that real quick, ladies and gentlemen, just so that I can also, uh, I can, so I want to be up to speed with you guys. Let's, let's, uh, let's put that on the screen real quick. Okay. All right. So let's see what this article has to say. I think it's a very interesting and a worthy cause to talk about, uh, cause we're actually going to talk a little bit about some human trafficking busts a little later on in the show today. Um, so it says here, let me go ahead and adjust that screen and let me expand that for you guys. 
Okay, so uh, blood batteries feel the fortune of Elon Musk. Joining the ranks of the world's top five richest people marked a significant milestone for Elon Musk and his mission to bring electric cars to the masses. Tesla's soaring shares have helped to triple its South African founder's net worth to uh, 58.5 billion pounds, which for a day this week at least nudged him ahead of Warren Buffett, the U.S. tycoon in the league table of the super rich. Um, let's see. Continue reading. Start my free trial. What? No, we don't do that here at the Sea Report. Uh-uh. Okay. <laughs> Let me see if I can't. Okay. No. I'm gonna. I'm gonna see if I can't do my trick here. Don't tell anyone. Ah, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. I, I can show you guys how I beat my paywall sometime. Ah, let's see. Did it work? Let me. Let me pop this baby up. Yes, I I do steal from the uh, <laughs> I do steal from the uh, the uh, news articles that have paywalls sometimes. <laughs> so nope, 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 nope. Mm -mm. It's not gonna let me finish reading that article. Dang, they have a they have a more intense paywall over at the Times UK apparently than they, than they do at the New York Times. Okay, so let me see. I'm not have to finish reading this. Well, okay. Uh, increased demand for Tesla. I don't, you know, that's just not my style. Like, I need to see the article. So, <laughs> oh, let's see here. What are we going to do about that? <laughs> okay, let's see here. Okay, I found I found an article that was not quite greedy. Okay, uh, so it says Tesla will make electric vehicles. Are you guys still on the right screen? Okay, uh, Tesla will make electric vehicles. Yo, you guys sure are. Okay, uh, Tesla will make electric vehicle batteries with cobalt-free cathodes. It announced during its battery day event today. The announcement came as part of the company's move to make batteries in-house instead of purchasing them. Musk didn't give a timeline on going zero cobalt battery. Oh, so what date is this on? September 22nd, 2020. Jesus, that was like a long time ago. Uh, cobalt is the most expensive. Da, 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 da. Okay, does it say anything about that though? No, 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 no. This is not doing us any good. Okay, all right. I might have to fish this out another way. Hmm, let's see. Look, why am I on Go Ogle? It's definitely a Monday, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, okay. Radio Islam. Hmm. How interesting. Okay. So this one is more recent. All right. It's uh, dated in June. Uh, Elon Musk, one of the top five wealthiest men globally, has sent a mission and vision of making electric vehicles, etc. Last week, Elon Musk tweeted the batteries for the Tesla 3 model use less than 3% of metal called cobalt, and the next generation battery will use none of the material. Uh, some have called cobalt the blood diamond of batteries. More than 70% of the world's cobalt is produced in the Democrat, uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo. And 15 to 30% of the Congolese cobalt is produced by artisanal and small-scaling mining. Uh, for years, human rights groups have documented severe human rights issues in mining operations, including child labor, fatal accidents, and violent clashes between large mining firms, artisanal, artisanal miners, and security personnel. The situation has promoted scientists and other groups to look at ways to manufacture cobalt-free batteries. Cobalt costing between 33000 and 35000 per ton is also one of the most expensive metals in electric vehicle batteries. 
there may be there may not be an adequate or infinite supply as research from MIT suggests there's not enough ability to mine and process material to meet demand in the next decade researchers suggest that demand could reach more than 1.6 times today's capacity interesting article probably not as in depth as that other one that we were looking at prior to this but I'll mine through that a little bit more for it Thank you guys for dropping that in the chat for last Friday. Hey there, Kansas Mudcat. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for donating a cookie from the cookie jar. And uh, let's see, that is anyone else. Awesomeness. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And just be with the can. Okay, let's get back to last week's chat recap. Oh, man. I showed you guys how I kind of get through the paywalls. Whoops. <laughs> Okay, so let's see what we had. Uh, we also had Gina from West Virginia joining us. Uh, Blue Rinse, Blue Rinse, uh, gifting a cookie last week. Thank you so much. Um, let's see here. Joy for Trump. Anything that has to do with crimes against children breaks my heart. Absolutely. And anything that has to do with justice serves uh, served is always a good story to hear, if you ask me. Um, Blue Rinse, Blue Rinse says, what they do to the Africans altogether with slave labor and Vax experiments, taking their land from them, everything. Yeah, uh, they've really exploited the heck out of that country. Uh, continent, I apologize. Just V says, we've known uh, no fair elections in California for decades. And uh, Just V says, read the article on California, California fraud today. The proof is finally being shown. So yeah, uh, we were talking about, um, what was that on the heels of when we were talking about California and... Uh, uh, and how uh, they had uh, that Santa, you was UC Santa Barbara incident going down. So yeah, the more that they have the proof and evidence there, the better. And and then hopefully uh, people in California will take to acting on that, just like they did with uh, Governor Gruesome Newsom over there. Uh, Jesse says, "Don't think Grinnell will run, but Larry Elder might. We had close to 100 to choose from on Davis's recall. Like, how often are governors recalled in California? Is what I want to know." Uh, Stu Peters, I think he's uh, the one that interviewed the guy from Israel that told of draconian measures. So I'd have to go look into that one for sure, Miss Just V. One, two, three. SKG was in the house. Blonde Blue Lady Q says she's worried. Jail ain't fun. We're definitely talking about Katie Schnobs here, the Secretary of Snakes from over in Arizona. Katie Schnobs, you know, she looks like she's going to cry every time we see her now. And she's complaining about how they're weighing ballots because she has no other ammunition to use against uh, the people of Arizona and the Senate for performing this audit on their 2020 election. Uh, Just V says they weighed them after counting them probably three times, just an extra measure. And that's exactly what I think it was too. I think it was just an extra measure. So this way they could say, hey, you know, the, they, they came in weighing this amount of money, uh, this amount of money, they came in weighing this amount of uh, pounds or whatever. And when they were coming out, you know, we were missing some ballots from the boxes, but we weighed them. So you can't say, that we took them out and threw them away or anything like that because we weighed them coming in and out. And I bet they weighed the same thing, right? I bet they weighed the same thing. So uh, there should be no question there. Actually, that's a pretty smart measure. That's actually a pretty smart measure to take. Like, I wouldn't have thought about that, like weighing the ballots in case there was, you know, fewer ballots in the boxes and there are listed by the machines and tabulators. Very smart. Very smart indeed. They really did think this thing through over there. 
Uh, let's see. Blonde Blue Lady Q, throw all the damn machines out. That's the point that I think we're getting to. You know, uh, we're getting to that point where we are just going to have to throw out all of these digital voting machines and we're going to have to go back to uh, paper ballots. But you know what I think we should do? I think I think that we should have like, you know, hole punchers at every precinct. Screw the little like machine that's, you know, that pulls it down or whatever. Like give them a ballot, give them a hole puncher, put them in a little curtain and then you send them on their way. Like just have them drop their ballot in the little box with the hole puncher. Like you just need a hole puncher, you know, like do I have one here? I might have one here. No, that's an industrial size stapler. No. <laughs> okay. I brought, I was going to see if I had a hole puncher to illustrate. <laughs> I don't think I do. Okay. But you know, you guys know what a hole puncher looks like. <laughs> so I'm just saying, you know, I think I think if they had a room full of curtained boxes and they had a little box, you know, like a little donation box, right? And and you hand them the ballot, they walk in there and they punch hole punch it. That way there's no hanging chads, and then they just drop it in the box and be on their way. Like I don't see what could be wrong with that. Um, you know, it might seem like it's a little old fashioned, but I am old fashioned, you know. I still use the parenthesis sign and the letter three, or is it the little, the, the greater than sign to, uh, you know, uh, say hearts <laughs> whenever I'm texting. Okay. What else do we have? A cookie from blonde, uh, blue rinse at blue rinse. Uh, just, he says, what a stupid way to count votes kind of like fractional voting. Okay. So we're talking about what's going on in New York city over there. Cause they have that new, uh, method of voting where it's basically like what um it's like you, you rank oh is it rank voting or something like that you rank uh the the um you rank the uh, governors that you like and the order that you like them or you rank whomever it is that you're voting for you rank them all from one to whatever number and then whoever has the highest number wins whoever's second highest number wins and you know and stuff like that like that's kind of like meh like, why would anyone want to do that? You know, like, you know what, though, on that rank voting, I would not even put people on there that I don't like. So, like, say I had to choose from, like, you know, President Trump, um, say I had to choose from President Trump, Ron DeSantis, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Like, I would not even put Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton on there. So, <laughs> so they had an even less chance of being ranked in there somehow. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe there is something to it. But no, that is a dumb way to vote. I mean, it's it doesn't make any sense. Um, let's see. Sherry Pittsburgh was in the house. We had some shades from Blonde Blue Lady Q, a cookie from Ohio Kimmy, a can from SKG123. Uh, Free Indeed was in the house just in time 207 as well as Ringo Dog. We had a couple of uh, newbies here or at least uh, first time chatters coming out to visit us in our last show. I love how um, I love how the uh, audience here at the Sea Report um, does such a great job and it's not even a job really but they're just so great about uh engaging and welcoming um people who are new to the chat so thank you guys for making them feel at home and making them feel comfy um and just having the big hearts that y'all do like it's great it's great it's great a great feeling um ohio kimmy yes roger stone was on infowars a lot i've seen him multiple times ohio kimmy a hundred percent hundred percent Ohio Kimmy. Now that came because I think somewhere in the chat, someone was uh, mentioning that 
Um, he had said he'd never been on InfoWars. Now that's a big old fat bold lie. Like he was not only on InfoWars, he was in the studios like several times on the phone, giving him information, giving him reports, hanging out with Alex Jones backstage. I've seen backstage footage of him and Alex Jones. So, you know, if he did indeed say that, then he indeed is lying. And if he said that to someone like, say, for example, he said that to someone who is a content creator here on the Foxhole app, then I would kind of think that maybe Roger Stone is trying to pull a fast one over the people at Foxhole app. And I don't take too kindly to that, Mr. Roger Stone. So I don't know. Um, Stone, you know, I, I never really had an issue with him. Um, you know, I used to like actually was like, yeah, you know, this guy's pretty cool. But uh, considering some of the company he's taken up, you know, in the recent uh, recently, I'm not I'm not sure that, um, you know, maybe he is all that he was cracked up to be or or maybe at some point he was on a different projected path. And and now that that uh, that path has changed, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like he was on a certain tra trajectory and it was indeed America first and it was indeed good and it was indeed constitutionally sound and it was indeed for the people. But now flash forward, like what, four or five years later, I, I kind of feel like he's not on that same path. I kind of feel like something has changed. I get that gitchy feeling in my stomach whenever I hear him talk or see him live uh, or see him period. Like something doesn't feel right, you know? And uh, so uh, that's kind of, that's just me though, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to take my word for it. Uh, has nothing to do with Shadowgate. Like, I didn't think anything about him in that movie. I never thought, oh, he was in Shadowgate, so he's a bad guy, or oh, he's against Trump. Like, that never made me think about that. It's it's the stuff that he's been doing since then. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if you guys heard, but my most recently... Uh, he's calling to get um, he's calling to get uh, General Flynn to run for president. So I mean, and he's not necessarily saying necessarily saying um, you know General. He hasn't said General Flynn is running for president. Uh, he hasn't said that he's against President Trump. He has said um, you know he has said I'm I'm all for President Trump. But uh, but should he not run because uh, three years in politics is a long time? A lifetime, he says, um, I think we should enlist General Flynn. And something about that just doesn't sit right with me. Um, I feel like he's already trying to plant a narrative of division. Now, that's pretty strong words right there, ladies and gentlemen. So I understand if you feel a certain way about me saying that. But if he's going to already be calling for General Flynn to run against uh, President Trump and, you know, I really don't see that happening. I don't see President President Flynn. I don't see uh, General Flynn running for president, period. Like, I don't see it. Um, maybe Mike Pompeo. You know, I, I've heard he wanted to run. Um, but I don't see General Flynn going for that uh, type of role um, um, in politics or for the American people. So I don't know. I don't know what's up with that. Maybe he's just, maybe he's just, uh, maybe he's just testing the waters or, or measuring something or taking a gauge of something. And that's why he's saying those things. But <clears throat> were he to be successful at getting General Flynn to run for president? And, uh, and it sounds like he would want to be his campaign supervisor, right? Um, that would definitely be a big uh, tear in the ticket. Uh, that would definitely be um, uh, one where you have, if you have Ron DeSantis, General Flynn, and President Trump running for president, and of course, this is hypothetical, 
um, uh, that would definitely split the ticket so hard that Mike Pence would win. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying, yeah, Mike Pence, no, but you know, that would, that would split the ticket pretty hard guys. If, uh, because at this point, I, I mean, if president Trump were to win, I mean, to, if he were to run again at this point, I'm pretty sure he would be the primary candidate for the Republican party. And I'm pretty sure that he would win hands down. Right. Um, so I don't know, Roger Stone. I don't know, sir. Um, but yeah, interesting stuff. I see uh, Keeping Busy. How's it going? Keeping Busy in the chat says, Steve Pychenik truly seems sketch. Scary guy with scary teeth. Um, you know, I'm not one to talk about teeth, <laughs> but uh, Steve Pychenik, from what I understand, is Alex Jones' handler. Um, and uh, just go back and see the documentary that we played last Friday. And actually, that's why we're talking about Alex Jones right now, because uh, we played a documentary on him in our last show that kind of spilled the beans on who his handlers were. Uh, Roger Stone, she, Steve Pachenik, and also um, Rob Dew being among them. Um, and just, you know, if the man wasn't, uh, if the man wasn't uh, counterintelligence opposition to begin with, and you know, um, then he definitely lost his way. So I just, I don't listen to the man anymore. The man says F Trump. The man hates Q. Um, I have no need to even um, entertain what he has to say. I don't care if it's news that's breaking, cutting, or exclusive. Um, you can't get, you can't get too many good things from that. You know, like a. Uh, uh, a pig with lipstick on is still a pig kind of thing. You know what I mean? Anyways, okay. Let's see what else you guys are saying. <clears throat> oh, Looking Up says, I'm deaf going to call him out then. He was just on the John Stubbins show here on Foxhole asking for support. So that's something else that's interesting to me. I did not know that uh, he was on the John Stubbins show. Am I saying, saying that right? Stubbins or Stubbins? I didn't know he was on the John Stubbins show. And I, admittedly, I, I don't know John Stubbins. Um, I, I haven't seen any of his work. Um, but I am aware that he was on another show a few weeks ago. Um, I think it was, I think it was RP seven, eight. And, um, I, I mean, I actually caught it. I got to see it. Um, it was an interesting interview to say the least. Um, having watched all Roger Stone, uh, give interviews for, you know, at least two years while he was with Alex Jones, having watched the way he worked, having seen the way he speaks, seeing his character, seeing how he delivers, seeing how he uses his cadence and his voice and the way he talks um, and, you know, just the inflect everything, just studying, just, just studying everything from what I remember him being. And of course, the man was in, in jail, right, for a, a time. So maybe something in his personality changed. I don't know. But I got the feeling that he was just there to engage uh, his audience, uh, RP's audience, in order to maybe, uh, you know, uh, support himself, you know, like uh, calling, asking for support, asking for money and stuff like that. I, that's kind of the vibe I got. And so I don't know. I, I, I could most definitely be wrong, guys. And again, like I said, I understand if you all feel a certain way that I'm saying these things about Roger Stone. Um, but that is definitely a vibe that I was getting. Um, he didn't seem too engaged like he normally does. He seemed a little bit distant um, and he did definitely um, um, plug himself. And I'm sure he had a permission to do that. Of course. Um, I mean, he is, he is respected amongst the, uh, 
I don't know, the interwebs of, of live streaming and, and shows and broadcasts and podcasts and, and stuff like that. So uh, I don't know. I don't know, guys. I just go on my gut feeling. And that's a, that's a feeling I've kind of been getting since he's come back into the limelight, as it were, since, you know, being pardoned and released from jail and stuff like that. I get it. I get it. You know, he went through lawfare. You know, he he had to pay a lot of money, went broke fighting with his uh, fighting for his lawyers and stuff like that. So I understand. But there was just something kind of off about him uh, that day. And so anyways, that's kind of where I stand on that uh, situation. That's all I got to say about that, unless someone else has something else to say in the chat from last week. Now, for again, for those of you who are in the chat who might be new to the C Report, uh, we are doing a chat recap from last Friday. So uh, every time we do a show, because I'm sure by now some of y'all might have known I'm terrible at chat on a live show. <laughs> Uh, I will do a chat recap and uh, kind of do like a previously on so we can move forward. I just, you know, it confuses some people. But uh, yeah, just so you guys know, that's what's going on. Okay, sorry, I was looking at the new chat again. Okay, so let's see what else we had going on last week before we get into today's report. <clears throat> uh, Ringo Dog says, I'm sure the Black Eye was uh, from a nasty fall. Oh, so we're talking about that Black Eye Club thing. They showed Alex Jones with that. Uh, looking Up says, AJ is a Freemason. For some reason, I would not doubt that. Um, and then let's see here. Uh, Ohio Kimmy. Yep, I did with him also. I watched but didn't like Alex. I liked Millie and Leanne. I think that was her name. Yeah, it was Millie Weaver and Leanne McAdoo. I don't know what happened to Leanne. Like I said, I don't watch InfoWars anymore. Like I, I didn't, I missed it when like all of the bad characters start to come on there. Um, and uh, Leanne McAdoo was, she was nice, uh, but I love Millie Weaver. I, I think Millie Weaver is probably one of the bravest patriotic uh, individuals that I've ever uh, come across, you know, as far as like content creators and uh, reporters and stuff like that goes. I think she has a lot of integrity. Uh, I think she has a lot of integrity and I think she's been badly smeared by a lot of people for bad reasons. Uh, I don't know what reasons, but I don't think that they were smearing her for good reasons. Uh, let's see here. Uh, looking up AJ's Mossad right. Um, I don't know about that. Um, I know that there was always this debate that uh, Alex Jones was being paid by the Mossad or he was working for them. I never subscribed to that uh, idea. It just didn't, it didn't resonate with me. However, it never. It would not have surprised me if he were on the payroll of General Jim Jones or someone like that. And then, of course, uh, we saw that interview where they had the doc. Well, in the documentary that we just watched, and then also in the interview with Patrick Berge, um, we saw the documentation from him working with the Stafford Group, uh, which is a military-industrial complex PR firm out of Austin, Texas, with his names on the documentation and in the communications. Uh, that should say enough, ladies and gentlemen, to just turn him off. Just turn him off. Like he's irrelevant. I was watching. I mean, you know what? You know what he's doing nowadays. Like, because uh, they talked about the whole situation with him having tranny. Uh, you know, tranny pictures on his phone. Um, you know, I've seen like two or three uh, just like entertainment episodes, uh, um, not even Infowars. Like uh, there's this one comedy show that's now in Austin, Texas, that he was a special guest on. And I swear it wasn't just in this one. It was like in every every time I've seen him talking to younger men right? Comedians even. Um, he's always making jokes about him being gay and he's telling the guys, oh, you got a nice you know what 
uh, but he's referring to the female part and, and he's telling them to sit on his lap and he's saying like, oh, you're pretty. And he's like, and, and even the hosts of those show are like, he's not joking. <laughs> So I don't know, um, you know, Alex, it's okay if you want to come out as a gay or a bisexual male. Um, the only one who's going to judge you is yourself in the end. But uh, that's kind of scary if you ask me. I don't even want to think about Alex Jones being in that kind. <laughs> I don't even want to think about Alex Jones being that kind of man. It's bad enough that like, I don't know, most men these days, like they're, it's, 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 I don't know, guys, for for who I am, it's disgusting to me. Uh, but I notice that uh, men look at more men these days than they do at women. And I mean, on the streets, I mean, in the stores, it's disturbing. Like, I thought, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with men these days. But uh, I don't know. Let's get off that topic. Okay, <laughs> let's get off that topic. Um, okay, uh, let's see here. What else do we got before we go? Oh, we also had, um, okay, one, two, three, SKG. I was going to get off this topic, 123SKG, and uh, by the way, thank you for the shades, but you said Hippie Hollow. <laughs> you said Hippie Hollow in last week's episode, 123SKG. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know that maybe anyone else knows what that is. Now, if you lived in Austin, you might know what Hippie Hollow is. 123SKG, uh, I'll let you enlighten anyone in the chat if they ask, um, but no, I've never been there. I've never been to Hippie Hollow. I've been invited to go before, but I've never been there. Um, but I don't know. I'd be scary if Alex Jones went there or something like that. And don't go swimming with Alex Jones, okay? Don't go swimming with Alex Jones. Okay. All right. Let's see here. Um, Drailing likes Millie. Yay. Um, we also had uh, some other comments here. Just be looking up. It was my understanding that he met AJ for a few minutes and didn't know who he is. Oh, I think we're talking about uh, General Flynn meeting him. I, I can't remember, but I feel like I feel like that was the case, just V, that like uh, he met AJ for a few minutes and he didn't know who he was. Now, other people in the chat were saying that um, uh, General Flynn actually gave him the cold shoulder. Uh, I would say that uh, he deserved it if he did, because probably General Flynn knows the score on Alex Jones and does not want anything to do with him. Uh, but I couldn't follow up on that just because I've been out of the uh, circle with uh, the Alex Jones syndicate for so long. Uh, Blonde Blue Lady Q says, I think Trump used him for free publicity and then found out what he was up to. You know, Blonde Blue, I would say that that's possibly a, a good assessment of that. I think uh, for one, you know, he needed to get, uh, he needed to, to, he needs to get Jones's uh, um, uh, audience on board with him. And they, they probably already were, because even at that point, Alex Jones was saying good things about President Trump. It wasn't until after everything went downhill and I guess uh, everyone could realize, everyone could see the facade that Alex Jones is, that things start to go sour for him. Or maybe it was after the Elephantis situation. I don't know. But uh, Trump never went back. He never went back to Jones. He never talked to him again after that one show. I remember watching it live. He was on with him video chatting from Trump Tower. It was a great episode. It was a really great episode, you know, and uh, but the thing about it is I think they were able to see through Alex Jones uh, a little bit into the future from there. Okay, I think we're just about done. Oh, okay, so then Blonde Blue 80Q makes a comment about Judge Napolitano. I just, just like Judge Napolitano, she says, he was up Trump's butt, then asked to be on the list for Supreme Court. Trump said no, and Napolitano started talking-ish. 
you know, I used to like Judge Napolitano. I mean, I did. I was a fan of his. And I noticed when he changed. I noticed when he changed. And he just, I was like, what caused him to change? You know, I don't know if it's because he was rejected for not being on the Supreme Court, but I definitely noticed that he was no longer speaking the way he used to speak about America or, you know, I guess it could have been tied to President Trump. But it did not make me happy. Just like Judge Janine Pirro, uh, after the uh, January 6th false flag attacks, she went like totally against patriots. Like she didn't know what was going on. Like that's a smart woman. She knew she knew what the score was, and yet she still chose to side with what I'm sure her producers told her to side with, and that was with calling all of the peaceful patriots out there. Uh, violent insurrectionists and scolding us. And I was like, I'm done with you, Judge Janine. Bye-bye. Okay, so that was pretty much it for that. All right, other than that, we also had Crash 6871 in the house. That wraps up last week's chat recap, ladies and gentlemen. It was a fun one. We had a lot to talk about. That's for dang sure. <laughs> oh, and 123SKG, I hope I didn't put you on the spot there about that a hippie hollow. Oh, okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> they told him skg told him yep it's a nude beach yep hey texas gal hey the speak uneasy see you guys coming in shepherding shepherd how's you doing how's you doing good to have you guys along with tonight for the show uh let's see if there's anyone else new in the house of popcorn seven was it popcorn 17 right popcorn 17 how are you tonight welcome welcome it's rainy here in texas at least in my neck of the woods but it's still a good monday afternoon um and we have henry 4570 as well as in the house uh let's see anyone else keeping busy i think i said hello already and welcome to the chat uh weaponized truth absolutely you are in the house as well okay i think that's it i think that is it okay if I missed you, I apologize, but I will definitely get back with you on tomorrow's chat recap. And uh, let me go and say we got uh, Deplora Laura live over at Twitch. Deplora Laura, <laughs> how are you doing today? And then we also have a gamer Jame M in the house. Um, I'm sorry, gamer Jame. I can't read that comment right now because it's like far too long, and we got to keep rolling. But thanks for hanging out. I hope. Uh, I hope you're good peeps. You can keep Deplora Laura company over there. Because if you don't, she's going to run over to the Foxhole app. If you start getting rude, she's going to go hang out with us over here. So <laughs> anyways, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up the chat recap. Let's go ahead and get into today's C report. Now, as always, Trump leads at the C report. So let's see what we got going on here. Not too many statements by way of uh, President Trump. We did have an in case you missed it moment. Um, and I'm sure all of you guys saw it. So I'm not going to play it here. It was in case you missed it, Joe Biden has to pull out Russian notes or notes on Russia uh, to answer questions at an ice cream shop. <laughs> He's like, oh, dang it. Even the people who serve me ice cream, even the ice cream jockey is uh, is asking me questions about Russia. And he has to pull out the notes. It was pretty sad. Um, I don't know if you ask me, it looks more and more like it, like his, his, uh, his descent into dementia or, or whatever it is. It's so obvious. It's like, it's happening so fast right now. It's, it's kind of scary. Like, you know, everything for being at the cherry orchard in Antrim County, Michigan, huh? Right. How appropriate to being at that ice cream shop, uh, to, to shaking hands. I don't know where he was shaking hands today. And, and, you know, he was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> 
like, I mean, yeah, I laugh, but um, I, I think the man is worn out. I think he sniffed too many children's heads and he's tired and he's beat and he just wants to stay in his dark, creepy basement uh, you know, for the rest of his, the remainder of his years and, you know, and, and maybe get a sniff on once or twice a week. Um, I don't think he wants to be doing what he's doing anymore. And I think he's so fatigued and so jaded, not even jaded. Jaded isn't even a good word. Jaded's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like when you're at it, but you know, you're, you're just tired because you're, it's a constant thing. This guy is not even jaded. He's fatigued. He's worn out. He's beat down. And he needs rest and uh, he can't deal with the pressure. His, I'm sure his mind and his brain are breaking down. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure whatever cholesterol was left up in that head, you know, that uh, it's, it's, it's finally just turning brittle. Um, uh, people have said elder abuse, you know, and, and I think that to an extent, this kind of qualifies if, if maybe it weren't because he's trying to save his own skin uh, and maybe, maybe his family name. Um, that, uh, you know, uh, he's still doing this, but, uh, other than that, I mean, it's almost like he doesn't want to, but he's definitely falling apart and you can, it's so obvious. It's so abundantly clear, uh, whenever we see the videos, like they had like uh, president Trump's in case you missed it moment. Uh, Joe Biden defends the Russians at an ice cream parlor. <laughs> no, that's not what it said, but anyways, um, let's see here. Uh, let's see another statement that we had from President Trump. Uh, he's go. Okay, so some of you all were talking about this already. I think we chatted about it last night, maybe. Uh, Trump to make an announcement about protecting Americans' First Amendment rights. President Donald, uh, Donald, President Donald J. Trump, 45th President of the United States of America, will make a significant announcement about his efforts to protect Americans' First Amendment rights in Bedminster, New Jersey, on Wednesday, July 7th at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That means I'll have to be up early because if it's live, I'm going to definitely try and be on the air to catch it. Uh, President Donald J. Trump. Okay, yeah, so, all right, so I know there's a bunch of speculation about that, you know, um, about what, I mean, what, what more could he say about our First Amendment rights uh, that hasn't been said or you know, maybe, maybe he'll lay into, I mean, okay. So if it's going to be something like it says here, significant, um, that has to be some kind of action or some kind of new thing is what I'm thinking. I, I mean, I don't think he would hold a press conference to rail against, you know, um, um, to rail against, uh, being banned, um, to rail against, uh, uh being censored. Um, I mean, he could be announcing this new social media platform, but apparently that already came out and that's getter. Uh, but then again, that again, that was one of his what uh, one of his uh, campaign supervisors or or you know individuals. So that's not necessarily Donald Trump. So yeah, there's still a chance that he could do that. But um, I don't know. I was speculating, and it's speculation only, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so don't shoot the messenger. Uh, I was speculating that maybe it would have to do something with a brand new type of internet, because I do remember some years ago that there was word that he was going to, you know, either do like a bill of rights for the internet or he was going to reset the internet or who's going to bring, bring about an entirely different internet is what I heard about president Trump. And then of course, you know, he optically speaking, he's no longer in office. So what kind of weight could he put around trying to make a bill or an executive order? He wouldn't be able to do it now. Right. 
But now, you know, I've, I have heard about um, a newer internet that's a quantum internet. Um, I think there's like maybe two different versions of it right now. Um, and I think that basically the two creators of this quantum internet, and the, this is speculation and, and, you know, really bad inside baseball, but, um, uh, you know, the kind that you can't, you can't throw a pitch, right? Um, but like, I think perhaps the two creators of this new quantum internet are kind of like, they're in a legal situation right now. Don't quote me. I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I do know that uh, I've heard there is a new kind of internet around the corner um, that would basically cut out all the middlemen and would disallow anyone from being censored ever again, period, because not even the big tech companies, not even the IP address owners, none of those people would be able to control it because it's quantum internet. Whatever that means, I don't know. I'm a layman. I couldn't tell you exactly what that means, but that's what I've heard. So I think that would be cool. And I'm just kind of laying that out on the table here. I think that would be really cool, but I'm probably wrong. Um, maybe it is like a, an internet bill of rights or something like that. Because, uh, you know, when it comes to, I mean, what is he going to say? Down with uh, down with uh, political correctness? Like, that's not something significant. If you ask me, we've heard President Trump fight uh, political correctness and all of its atrocities against the First Amendment uh, from day one. So I don't think that that kind of, uh, but I'm just speculating now, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just like, kind of like, I'm going into my woo, okay? So interesting enough, though, uh, Linda McMahon will be there. <laughs> Linda McMahon will be participating at this event. I think that just tickles me. I mean, of course, Linda McMahon also works with the America First Policy Institute. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is Linda McMahon, who is Vince McMahon's wife. You guys know who Vince McMahon is, right? <laughs> I used to watch that guy back when I was a kid. Uh, I don't do wrestling anymore, but um, I'm I'm surprised to know. I could have figured the McMahons as being Republicans, you know, uh, but I don't know. I don't know what kind of uh, I don't know what kind of uh, propaganda they put in wrestling these days uh, because I don't watch it. But um, I think back in the day, there wasn't a lot of propaganda, just a lot of degenerative stuff. You know, that that was a, a while ago when it was it was first getting cool to do kind of like shock wrestling. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very fake indeed. And, uh, I mean, especially if you're sitting front row, uh, you see the hits not connecting and you see, uh, everyone feigning pain and stuff like that anyways. Okay. Uh, so yeah. And Brooke Rollins will also be there and it's going to be held at uh, Trump national golf club in the Bedminster New, New Jersey. So, uh, yeah, if it's live, ladies and gentlemen, expect to see Mr. C on the air about 10 a.m., on uh, that central time, 10 a.m. central time on Wednesday, July 7th. So we can cover that. I think that would be fun. What did I do here? But it's two groups of people who both think they're better than the truth. It's good against evil. It's us against them. Huh. Uh -huh. Okay. Sorry, Deplore Laura. I was reading your comment there. I wasn't sure. Okay. So um, let's go ahead and see what else we got here. Another statement from President Trump. Seeing the record crowds of over 45,000 people in Ohio and Florida waiting for days, standing in the pouring rain, they came from near and far. All they want is hope for their great country again. Their arms are outstretched. They cry over the rigged elections and the rhinos have no idea what the movement is all about. In fact, they are perhaps our biggest problem. We will never save our country or be great again unless Republicans get tough and get smart. And there's like, what, five like good Republicans? 
I think the rest are all rhinos. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a little bit more than five, but um, uh, more than five, less than 10 <laughs> who are actually fighting for the American people. They they would have to they, um, they would have to make a move like uh, Putin did. You know what Putin did, right? When Putin was getting into office, I think this was in 17. I was like maybe a re-election or something. He fired everyone in his parliament. He, he just got rid of everyone. He just dismissed them all. He was like, you guys are all sold and bought out. You all belong to the globalists. You're all part of that crew. You're gone. Like his entire house and legislative body, gone. That's what Putin did. Now, of course, we could not get away with that here because of the optics that it would tell the American people, he's a dictator. He just killed Congress. You know, like, so he could, we can't do that here. But um, <clears throat> people definitely need to step up to that challenge. Uh, and maybe that's why, you know, he's also gone the path of uh, taking a step back uh, until 2022, maybe 2024, because after all, uh, he needs for the good people in America, the true America first, the true constitutionalists to run for office and to get elected. That's what he needs right now. And maybe that's what this cooling off period is right now. This two to three years that we're seeing with this, uh, you know, illegitimate pedo Joe and, you know, Kamanawana uh, Leia Harris like they're being allowed to run shenanigans and you know president trump has a shadow presidency going on in the background and uh he's just waiting for the rest of us to step up to fill in those spots so come on we need about 360 more people <laughs> 400 more people let's go let's go everybody let's hop to it if you can hear my voice go run for congress no just kidding uh but no seriously though like <clears throat> they need enough people to do it so that come, you know, uh, the midterms and come 2024, there will be a substantial difference. Uh, you know, the entire body of our legislature will look different and will stand for something else, maybe something like integrity, right, ladies and gentlemen? Because we could all use a little bit more integrity here in the United States of America. Now, I'm not talking about my, uh, I'm not talking about my C-Report audience, obviously. You guys are awesome. All right. Uh, last bit of news we have. It's not a whole bunch by way of President Trump, but this has to do with um, <clears throat> Trump's organization um, and his CFO being, uh, you know, uh, charged. Now, of course, he pled guilty, but we have it on good word from an old pedophile lawyer by the name of Alan Dershowitz. <laughs> okay. Uh, Alan, that's speculation. Please don't sue me. You never got on, um, you know, Epstein's uh, air, airplane at all, right? You never went to his island, Alan? Okay, so I'm not, you know, Alan. Yeah, Dershowitz. Okay. <clears throat> I'm not calling you a pedophile, Alan, so you cannot sue me. All right. Well, okay, so anyways, Alan Dershowitz, he said that it's most likely that uh, these charges that were brought against Trump's organization will be tossed. I was like, okay, well kind of saw that coming. They couldn't get President Trump on anything else that was going on. They're like, he has a playbook on, uh, you know, how to do the best taxes. And he has a playbook on loopholes. But all of our friends use the same loopholes. So that wasn't going to work, right? Obviously. So uh, anyways, in regard to that, Mr. Dershowitz said, you can't get a city district attorney, including somebody for falling, uh, for failing to pay federal income taxes, right? Because don't forget, this uh, DA, Cyrus Vance Jr., I saw Cyrus Vance's name somewhere else. He worked, like, maybe it was the CFR. Like, I'm talking about Cyrus Vance Jr.'s daddy. I saw his name 
working with someone else. And I was like, Cyrus Vance. I was like, I wonder if that's the father of this DA over there in New York City who's trying to lay down the law on uh, the President Trump and his organization and has come up with nothing, right? Um, so, uh, so this DA Cyrus Vance Jr. is is trying to take um, um, the CFO, uh, what was his name Weissel, right? He's trying to take him to task um, for for failing to pay federal income taxes, right? But the IRS is not even going after this uh, this CFO for that. Like, so this is what Alan Dershowitz reasoning is. You can't get a city district attorney, including indicting someone for failing to pay federal income taxes when the IRS has not even gone after them. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, one of the charges, a major charge is grand larceny against the United States government, Dershowitz added. That shows the extent to which they are prepared to stretch existing law and the constitution to give them authority over federal taxes. It's absurd. So uh, this just might, you know, this just might not work, you know, for uh, Cyrus Vance Jr. He might not be getting that, uh, you know, he might not be getting that retirement present that he's been seeking, which would be, you know, having enough clout to say that he took down President Trump and got him charged or indicted. Yeah. Sorry, Cyrus Vance. Sorry, it's not going to happen. Sorry, Letitia James over there in New York. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we got for Trump news today. So let's go ahead and get into our next news item. Now, this is going to take us over to the state of Arizona. And this does indeed have to do with the Arizona audits that are happening over there. So now, as you guys know, uh, all kinds of lawfare came down against the people of Arizona and the Senate as well. Um, they were getting it handed to them from everyone that they could think of, including 103 lawyers that came from the George Soros Clinton uh, uh, dark shadow corners, right? That came out like that one guy, Elias, uh, Mark Elias, the, uh, the, the love child of uh, Oogie Boogie and uh, I don't know, the cookie monster. Um, but now we have here this uh, a new effort to sue the Arizona Senate comes from a newspaper, a newspaper called uh, the Arizona Republic. Now, according to the Arizona Republic, they want the information on the audit. This is what uh, their lawyer, or this is what they had to say in a statement, that they filed a special action in Maricopa County Superior Court seeking financial records and communications about the audit from the Arizona Senate and Cyber Ninjas. Um, a, a lawyer for the newspaper said the lawsuits and records have to be disclosed under Arizona law because the Senate, a public body, is orchestrating the audit. <clears throat> now, David Bodney is the name of the attorney that's representing the paper. And uh, he went on to say, Arizona law entitles the public to know how this audit is being conducted and funded. And the Arizona public records law does not permit the Senate to play hide the ball by delegating core responsibilities to a third party like Cyber Ninjas and concealing records of government activities and public expenditures in Cyber Ninjas file. Then I just find this completely hypocritical and funny. Um, now, maybe not on the state level, right? But definitely in the federal level, our government has been playing hide the ball and has been hiring third party contractors to do all of the dirty work. 
Like that's basically all that they do. I mean, you know, you have your uh, nine to five desk jockeys there in Washington, D.C., but the ones that are doing the work that counts are contractors. The ones that are doing the work that they don't want the American people to know about are third party contractors. And that's just to give themselves some separation from any accountability should it be found out the kind of work these people are doing. That's how it works in Washington, D.C. And now they're trying to sue the state legislature of Arizona for basically uh, doing something that it seems like they're able to do. Now, I don't know. I guess Arizona law says that you can't have a third party contractor, but that's not what this lawyer said. The lawyer simply said that the public has a right to know because the audit is being handled by a state representative organization like the Senate. So I don't know. This is it's always going to be a game of words with lawyers and lawfares and law lawsuits, but to me, it just reeks of hypocrisy, hypocrisy, hypocrisies. It reeks of hypocrisies. It, re <laughs> it reeks of hypocrisy uh, because uh, third, third party contractors is the way to go if you're a government nowadays. So this way you're not held accountable if things go south or they find out that, I don't know, that you're spying on your citizens or that, I don't know, you're killing people or I don't know that you're, you're hacking into uh, federal classified files and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, that's why they have third party contractors so that they won't be associated with responsibility. Anyways, okay, so the lawsuit came after... Now, this was interesting to me. Um, I didn't see another article about this. I did I did read a similar sentence in another article, though, uh, where, where we're talking about Senate Majority Leader Karen Fan, um, that she had said that the Maricopa County supervisors did in fact turn in missing items that were related to court-ordered subpoenas. So here we're talking about the routers, the passwords, and the logins for the Dominion machine software and also for Maricopa County uh, uh, computers and routing systems. So um, I, I will definitely be looking on that because if that did happen, then I'm sure there will be an article posted by tonight or at least by tomorrow from someone uh, because that's basically the last thing that they need over there in order to um, finish this audit with integrata, you know, and, and not just say, Hey, uh, we tried, but they wouldn't give it to us. I think, I think they should go for it. I think they should most definitely try and hold, uh, the, the hold the noses to the grindstone of these individuals, the Maricopa County board of supervisors and the Arizona Democrat body who are trying to, uh, trying to basically slow walk, all of the evidence and not turn it. I mean, they're already, they're already in contempt of court, if you ask me, or they should be because they have not turned over that information and they need to. And again, like I say, always, if it were a conservative or a Republican who was slow walking all of that subpoenaed information, they would, they would have them in jail probably already. But for some reason, when it comes to the Republicans uh, and the conservatives, they just, they just can't seem to hold the same weight to them uh, as is uh, occurring vice versa. So anyhow, all right, let's talk about Wendy Rogers. Now, Wendy, uh, you all have gotten to know and love Wendy Rogers. She's a Senate uh, representative there in Arizona. She's the one who threatened A.G. Garland with jail time if he came and messed with their ballots, if he meddled in their election. And then, of course, you know, uh, Sleeping Bronovich over there, <laughs> Sleeping Bronovich, the AG of Arizona, finally woke up and backed her up about it, right? Uh, but anyways, what what uh, a AG, AG Bronovich, I mean, what, uh, I'll say AG Rogers, what um, Senator Wendy Rogers has said now, she released a tweet today saying 
that um, uh, she wants all counties to have their machines audited. She wants an audit for all counties that use the voting machines in the 2020 election. Planting those seeds, Miss Rogers, planting those seeds. I like it. She says, she says, not just in Arizona and not just in the other swing states, but in all counties, all counties, every single, every single state in this union was touched by fraud, y'all. Every single state in this union was touched by fraud. And I've, I've been saying that at least to myself. And I've, I've been thinking that since the beginning and, you know, people know, like I'm, I've been like, California went red. Every, almost every state in this nation went red. It was a true red wave. I think every state, except for maybe like, I don't know, New York, Delaware, maybe one or two other states in the Northeast and maybe one state in the West, but every other state went red. And that's why I've always felt that every state should have an audit I've been saying that since November, and uh, yeah, so um, we'll see. Uh, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll happen, but uh, that does me right and well. I think that uh, Wendy Rogers is on the right trail there. Okay, moving along fast today, aren't we, ladies and gentlemen? Now we got uh, Matthew DiPerno. Now you guys may remember who Matthew DiPerno is. We talk about this man from time to time here at the Sea Report because I like to keep you guys abreast on everything that's going on with election audits and the election fraud and the election coup of 2020. Uh, so Matthew DiPerno, as you may remember, he was the constitutional lawyer that represented William Bailey over there in Antrim County, Michigan. Okay, now this guy has been hot on the trail of everything since he's been on it. Like, he has been on it. If anyone has been on it, except for the Arizona audit, he has been on it. And um, he's found so much evidence of fraud, right? Like, this goes beyond what Rudy Giuliani and Trump's lawyer team presented to them in Michigan during those hearings on the election fraud. Like, this goes well beyond that. Uh, Matthew DiPerno has shown them uh, from time immemorial the uh, levels of um, fraud that took place, not just in ballot mismatching, ballot counting mismatches, also in the machinery as well, because uh, we know the machinery that also they were able to show on live television exactly how you hack into these through the software, uh, you know, and, and um, he's also shown that they were actually able to be remotely um, accessed and so that they could change things there. And that's just the small part of it. That's not even everything. I can't remember everything right at this moment. But uh, in a new article that came out, um, Matthew DiPerno is having a conversation uh, on Bannon's war room and basically says to the effect that a security breach of the election registration servers in Arizona occurred. How does Matthew DiPerno know this? He was working on the Antrim County case in Michigan, and now he's talking about Arizona. Well, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, Cyber Ninjas was also in Antrim County with Matthew DiPerno, and now they're in Arizona. So, hmm, makes you kind of wonder, huh? Uh, could, there, could there indeed be a bigger team working behind this man? in his efforts to ensure that the state of Michigan gets a forensic audit. I think so. He even said it himself. He said, we're going to appeal what the judge, because the judge dismissed it, right? 
He was like, even if this evidence is true, even if it is true that there was fraud in Michigan County, there's no way I could relieve or satisfy your plaint, your your defendant. I mean, your your uh, your plaintiff. So uh, I'm just going to dismiss the case. That's what they decided. That's what they decided. So Matthew DiPerno says, well, we're going to appeal it. He says he said, I have a bigger he said, I have a bigger team working behind me. And they're going to keep on going. And so that's what he's doing. All right. So it says here, according to Matthew DiPerno, attorney at large, <laughs> there was a security breach of the registration servers in Arizona on November 3rd, 2020. This breach was known. It was known by Secretary of Snakes, Katie Hobbs, otherwise known as Katie Schnobbs here at the Sea Report. But to date, she kept it from the public. The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors also knew about this, but they kept it hidden as well. Ooh, very interesting, right, ladies and gentlemen? All right, let's uh, let's let's uh, let's hear the words from the man himself, constitutional lawyer Matthew DePerno. Like I said, he made a quick pit stop over at uh, Bannon's mm -hmm. War Room, uh, so it's like a three-minute clip. We'll just see what they had to say. great Matt DiPerno. Now, Matt, you had, there's an article about you in the Gateway Pundit over the weekend, the, the Brothers Hoft, once again, killing it. Uh, you, you actually tie together Michigan, Arizona, and Georgia. We only got a couple of minutes. Walk the audience through what your uh, investigation has shown, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Steve. Um, we found uh, uh, um, in our investigation in Michigan, Georgia, and Arizona, in all of them, we have found um, anonymous user uh, uh, remote access logons um, that uh, have elevated privileges uh, in the election management system, which means anyone who does that uh, through a remote logon with elevated privileges uh, can access the actual database and change results. So that's pretty significant that we found it in three states now. It is a pattern um, and it is significant. Um, the other thing that we just did this uh, weekend is we launched a new website called EIFFTAR, Election Integrity Funds for the American Republic, and we're devoting um, our attention uh, through that fund to raise money for the Arizona audit uh, exclusively without anyone coming in to try to siphon money out from the public and put it elsewhere. We're putting it directly into the Arizona audit. Uh, and the third thing, no one else has heard this before, but I was uh, coming on a, back from Arizona yesterday on a plane um, and uh, was notified that our team also discovered the following, uh, that Maricopa County um, and the Secretary of State in Arizona uh, have known for quite some time since November 3rd that there was a security breach of the voter registration servers. And they have hid this from the American public and we are releasing it right now on your show for the first time. Give us that one more time. we got about a minute. Walk us through that. We'll have you back on a five. This is breaking news. Give us that again. There was a security breach of the voter registration servers in Arizona on November 3rd. <laughs> Secretary of State has known about this. They have hidden it. They have not revealed it to the American people. Maricopa County has also known about it. You're saying Katie Hobbs is on as a contributor to MSNBC and CNN. You're saying she actually knew this breach happened and never came forward and told anybody? That's absolutely correct. We know this because we now have learned that voters in Arizona actually received some notification individually. 
um, that some of their data had been breached, but they've hidden it from the rest of us. When are you going to put forward the evidence on this, Matt? Uh, because you guys, you're, you're a guy who always puts forth your evidence, your data. When are you going to put forth your evidence for this charge? Pretty big charge. We are working on it. We just found about it, out about it yesterday. So we're working on that today. Tomorrow, um, we'll get that data out. Uh, but I want people to also understand we are raising money through the uh, uh, EIFFTAR.org for the Arizona audit. Give us that one more time. Put in the live chat. Where's What's the site they go to? EIFFTAR.org stands for Election Integrity Funds for the American Republic. Matt DePerno, thank you very much for joining us from Michigan today. A break of the blockbuster news right there, brother. Yes, sir, indeed. All right. I like it when they do their work like that. So, yeah, Matthew DePerno has been pretty instrumental in dropping a lot of uh, hot ticket information like this since he started doing uh, his good work over in Michigan. So, like he was saying here, that's what they were talking about, right? They're talking about uh, the fact that um, Secretary of uh, Snakes, Katie Schnobbs, uh, that she knew that there was a break-in into their um, um, election registration servers over there in um, Arizona, but had not talked about it, had not mentioned it. So it kind of makes you wonder... Was this kind of the information that might have been seen uh, in that uh, that data that was erased and then recovered from uh, the uh, computers over there in um, Maricopa County? Now, that's speculation, obviously, but uh, we'll have to wait and see what details uh, this uh, man, uh, Matthew DiPerno, has in regards to that, um, because... Uh, that was breaking, ladies and gentlemen, and we will get a hold of that as soon as we can. Um, I'm sure it's coming soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, on the heels of that, let's talk about some other things involving uh, the uh, equipment that uh, Matthew DiPerno was speaking about, as well as um, <clears throat> what we've what they have found throughout. Now, he was talking about how when they were doing uh, audits, like genuine forensic audits on these items, and we're talking about the machines that they're using, the voting machines, the tabulators, the software and computer systems, all Dominion stuff, right? That they had found that included in these computers was also a type of software that, that had not been picked up by previous auditors. So they found a software, it's called uh, SQL, Microsoft SQL, which stands for uh, the Microsoft SQL Server Management Studios, right? Uh, and, and this is the type of uh, software that um, kind of uh, works in tandem with what um, the computers are running to manage uh, the numbers for the elections and all that stuff, the percentages, etc. And uh, it also provides remote access through this software. Okay, so he was saying that they had found this software in the machines in Michigan, right? Okay, since then, they found the, that type of software also in Pennsylvania. So like he was saying, he was seeing a pattern of where this software was appearing and so that they found it likely to also be in Arizona and also in the state of Georgia. I would not doubt that they would possibly find it in the state of Wisconsin, but at this point, they could probably find this software anywhere like maybe in all 50 states or in all states that use Dominion type 
of um, uh, Dominion type of uh, computing and software. So that means like in the five states in the Northeast, right, that are being uh, that are being um, uh, managed by uh, was LSD or LSD, LST, uh, that uh, computer service over there. Um, that was coming under fire from the New Hampshire Wyndham audits that were, those were real fraud. Uh, what happened in Wyndham was genuine fraud. You want to call a fraud, a fraud. That was a fraud. Okay. Uh, what we're going to talk about here also was a fraud when it comes to this, uh, when it comes to this Microsoft SQL server management studio software that was discovered in the machines, in the databases, right? Now, um, the thing the thing to keep in mind here is that what was it? I believe in two thousand, I want to say two thousand thirteen. If it's not two thousand three, um, uh, that's when they they uh, they redid uh, the voting and the registration stuff. Uh, federally speaking, they passed new voting uh, regulations and they set up um, they set up something called the EAC, right? So that's the election assistance. Um, the election assistance um, uh, commission, right? So that's what we got here on the screen for you guys. Now, the election assistance commission has been in charge of, you know, making sure that everything gets one where they are modernizing and everything. So they are, you know, bringing in more voting machines and tabulators. We were going away from the papers and stuff like that. Um, so the election assistance commission was basically kind of in charge of modernizing that and making sure that everything was up to date. So what else they would be doing is making sure that all of the equipment is certified. This is where we get the whole idea of accredited auditors, right? Everything has to go through the EAC. Now, some of the things that were going on with the EAC is what was kind of questionable because we found that uh, the EAC had been severely underfunded and severely understaffed and that the head, um, the head information officer of the EAC had in fact worked for uh, Dominion for 10 years or more, right, before going over to the EAC. So that was, that. I mean, all right there presents a problem, right? Now, what they had found also in regards to this Microsoft SQL Server Management Studio software that was in the databases and in the computers that were being used to run these elections was that the EAC had not certified this software configuration for these computers and applications, which means they should not have been there in the first place. Um, it says in an article from the Gateway Pundit, this is the same software Michigan attorney Matthew DePerno's team discovered on Antrim County's Dominion EMS server and demonstrated it to be capable of manipulating the election database stored and managed on the server. Okay, so like I said, it can allow manipulation of data, which is not bueno, right? Um, so whenever it came down to what was going on with the Arizona audit, you know they're going all in when it comes to this forensic audit of the data, the software, uh, the databases, everything like that, right? Now, that's exactly why they have been saying over in Arizona from the jump, we already did audits of the 2020 elections. We already had accredited auditors come in here and do these audits. Uh, and that's why they're also saying we can't have this kind of a fraud it because we can't have unaccredited vendors coming in here and doing an independent audit. It can only be those who are accredited. Okay. So of course, in order for them to get accreditation, uh, 
they have to go through the EAC. And the EAC is only accredited two separate companies, two of them that comply, and they are by the names of ProVNV and SLI. You guys might have heard of them before, um, but these are basically the two outfits that they charge with performing audits, even forensic audits of any election. And yet these guys failed to find that Microsoft SQL software in the database and in the computers of the um, of the machinery that they were using. Now that says a lot, okay? Um, so uh, from the report of the ProVNV in regards to the audits, it said the ProVNV team was granted access to the workstation servers from qualified board of election employees. Once access was achieved, a team member navigated to the folder containing the DV software and copied the software onto a brand new USB drive. Uh, and this was about their methodology. Uh, it says Dominion voting system files were extracted from the two EMS servers to validate uh, against EAC generated hash codes which are used to validate that each file's content has not been modified. So that's what they're trying to do. That's what ProVNV and SLI did in order to uh, figure out what kind of software was on there. And if in fact, that software had been manipulated in any way, that's what, that's what they are calling on doing. But the reason why that was not accurate is because the procedure used by both auditors to copy and compare only Dominion application specific files from a live directory while using the very machine being audited was not an acceptable a forensic practice and an inexplicable one. So they're running an audit using Dominion software on the same exact computer and it's kind of like counting the same ballots twice. Well, we're going to do a recount to prove that, you know, that it everything is right. And, and they're just basically counting the same ballots. It's the same thing here. You're running the same, you're auditing the same program. You're auditing the same program on the, pro, on the computer that the program runs on the same computer. You know, that you, that, that's not how you go about figuring out if there's any differentials. It's basically just going to run its course the same way through and it's going to give you the same results. Uh, it also says here that proper forensic audit procedures consist with best practices dictate cloning or recreating a mirror image of the hard drives and working from the image so as to preserve the data in its original state. So again, if they're running an audit on the same computer with the same programs, they risk ruining or deleting or modifying any of the data that's already there. It kind of reminds me of what was going on with um, with Hari Hursty over there in New Hampshire, because again, these guys were running audits on the same machines. And, you know, we saw a video where Hari took the Diebold or the Diebold um, memory card. And, you know, he said that you could swap it and you could detect uh, manipulation or fraud instantly. And yet he took like 45 minutes per memory card to do it. And you kind of have to wonder what he was doing with that 45 minutes of time when it was just him, a computer and the Diebold memory cards, right? Uh, and then it also said here, considering both auditors, ProVNV and SLI compliance are intimately involved in testing and certification processes of electronic voting systems, there is no credible way by which the software configured of the EMS servers could be ignored. So they have all of this working against, and of course, these two these two software companies, these two accredited auditors are put in place for a reason. They're put in place for a very big reason. That's because they know that they're going to cover or do the work that they need to be done in order to call these audits and all, all these concerns off. And then they can just go about on their merry way.
Okay. Um, so uh, one other thing that I would mention about uh, these two, about EAC in particular, the Election Assistance Commission, none of the machines that they used in the 2020 election were certified. Um, that's a big deal. Uh, they're supposed to be certified, I think it's like every two years, maybe. They hadn't been certified since 2000, I think, 12, somewhere between 12 and 14 or 15, 16. Oh, it's 2016. They were certified in 2016. Uh, after that point, the certification for that, those machines, they were expired, which, which would literally mean that if you were to follow the letter of the law, and if these machines were indeed supposed to have been certified, that every election since after 2016 would have to be rendered null and void. And uh, we've actually presented a story about that here on the C Report with you all, ladies and gentlemen. And that had to do with quo warrantos, Q warrants going out in certain states where they realized that these items were not certified. And so it rendered the election invalid. And then basically what it boils down to there is having uh, any, I mean, that would mean that anyone who was voted for post 2016 would have to be removed. Um, uh, and there's a lot more technical stuff that goes into that, you know, because obviously you'll need someone to take their place or at least to stand in good faith uh, until they have another election. Uh, and that would be that would even that would include even the removal of, you know, even the good guys. Right. But that's something that would have to be done um, if those Q warrants move forward because they're happening in several states right now. I guess we'll see what happens, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, that's all I've got to say about that on that front for you guys tonight. Uh, let's go ahead and hop on over to West Virginia. All right, West Virginia making its first appearance here on the Sea Report. Now, uh, you know, I was going through the headlines today and just, uh, uh, you know, mulling over some of the things to talk about with the friends and and everyone, you know. So uh, let's let's go over to the state of West Virginia. They had a couple of things going on. I thought they were, you know, kind of interesting points that we could talk about. Because after all, there's always news going on in the world, right? Uh, so over in West Virginia, uh, they have a uh, they have a governor there. That's him right there. <laughs> His name is Jim Justice, Governor Jim Justice of uh, West Virginia. IA. Now, uh, there uh, he's a Republican, by the way. He's a Republican, but uh, he's having he's he's having fits lately. It seems like because. <laughs> he just can't seem to get the broader population of West Virginia vaccinated. Yeah, so this is a COVID story, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he wants to get uh, he wants to get everyone vaccinated in West Virginia. It seems that he's gone as far as to do state lotteries that include winning guns, uh, winning cash, winning trucks, and other prizes if you're vaccinated. And uh, he seems to think that um, if you're not going to get vaccinated, then you're just playing a death lottery. And uh, he don't want none of it. It says uh, West Virginia Governor Jim Justice said that those who do not receive the COVID-19 vaccines in his state would only get vaccinated there were uh, if there were a catastrophe and if a lot of people died. So it sounds like to me uh, a lot of the people in West Virginia are pretty smart. Because they don't want to get vaccinated. 
you got to give credit where credit is due, right? So uh, I guess this is just being a pain in the butt for Governor Jim Justice. Um, he told, uh, he told ABC this past Sunday this week, I hate to say this, but what would put them over the edge is an awful lot of people die. So maybe governor Jim justice is hoping that the Delta variant will strike the West Virginia Hills. So this way he can get more of his people vaccinated. It says in West Virginia, 55.7% of residents received at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine while 46.4% are fully vaccinated. That's according to the state's Department of Health and Human Resources. And that's actually, it seems to be on par with the national averages. I think it's like 50 to 56, 55 to 56% are, uh, have a single shot vaccine, vaccination and about 47% are fully vaccinated in the United States. So I guess West Virginia, you're right on par with the rest of the company, company with the rest of the country when it comes to that kind of thing. Uh, but I thought that was interesting because uh, he's he's calling on a mass death and destruction in, in his state just to get his people vaccinated. Let's talk about this man here. That's A.G. Morsi. A.G. Morsi. He's the attorney general of West Virginia. IA. Uh, his name is Patrick Morsi, not to be uh, not to be confused with uh, Patrick Morsi, the singer. No, just kidding. That's <laughs> Stephen Patrick Morsi. OK, uh, yeah, I'm a Smith's fan, a Morsi fan here. Um, so A.G. Morsi. OK, so this was an interesting story, I thought. Hey, Liz Garcia, what's up? I see you over there. Um, but uh, yes, uh, A.G. Morsi over there in California. Oh, wait, 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 my bad. Over there in West Virginia. He's at odds with California now because West Virginia just got put on a list. West Virginia just got put on a list by the state of California, right? Okay, so the state of California, I mean, uh, I feel for you peeps over there in California. Uh, but they're picking a lot of fights with people. Uh, in this case, uh, they have banned travel from California to West Virginia, uh, at least in, in, in regards to state-funded travel. So now if you are a state employee or if you're working for the state, you can't, you can't travel on the, on the people's dime to go visit West Virginia. Uh, and basically it's because... Uh, West Virginia has uh, anti-LGBT and anti-transgender laws in their state. It's ridiculous, ladies and gentlemen, but it's true. It's true. Uh, West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morsi strongly criticized California's ban on state-funded travel to West Virginia and other states as an affront to the respect that the Constitution affords each state at its constituents deem fit. The attorney general's criticism came in response to a travel ban related to West Virginia's passage of legislation relating to single sex participation in interscholastic athletic events. So uh, basically, you know, like how all of us are basically jumping on the bandwagon and uh, and that's not a bandwagon. That's a bad thing to be on. Trust me. Uh, after all, I mean, if I had a daughter, I wouldn't want her to be clobbered by some man claiming he's a, a woman. Uh, just because he has, I don't know, an ego problem or feels inefficient about his life and he needs to become a woman to defeat women at sports. Like, I just, you know, it doesn't make sense. I mean, it's deadly. I, people get hurt that way. Uh, women can get hurt, you know. And and if it's, uh, I don't know, if, if it were like male ballet competition, I'd be like, well, I mean, it's true. Uh, a woman would probably be better at ballet than man. Don't, don't, don't tell Najinsky I said that now. But uh, Attorney General Morsi said 
States should not penalize other states because of policy differences. The economic coercion demonstrated by California is an affront to the dignity of other so uh, other co-sovereign states and amounts to the legislating across to legislating across state borders in an effort to force the radical worldview of large states onto those living elsewhere. Federalism works best when individual states can pursue policy supported by their own constituents. And in West Virginia, our office will defend the state's efforts to protect the integrity of women's sports. Title IX opens many opportunities for girls and women across the mountain state and beyond. The legislation preserves fair competition. It is simply wrong for other states to exert financial pressure in such a manner. West Virginia is a beautiful state, and I continually urge everyone in California and elsewhere to experience its magnificent hills, streams, and adventures, as well as its loving, caring, and friendly people. Uh, so the Attorney General announced June, 17, uh, announced June 17th office would intervene in defense of West Virginia's newly passed law. So he's going to go to task on that. Now, in case you ladies and gentlemen did not know about this travel ban that California has put on the rest of the world. No, just kidding. They haven't done it to the whole world. They haven't done it to the entire United States either. In fact, they've only done it to what? Uh, 17 states in total. Yeah, there are 17 states where California is basically restricting state-funded travel because of anti-LGBTQ anti uh, rules or laws or whatever. So let's take a look at that real quick. Um, uh, the, there are five states most recent, right? So along with West Virginia, they also added North Dakota, Montana, Florida, and Arkansas. Those are the five newest states. Uh, the first states that uh, took the whack from California state-funded travel uh, included Alabama, Idaho, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Mississippi, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South, uh, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, and Texas. So uh, those are the states that they took a whack at first, and now they've added five more. Um, so in regards to this, the, the man behind this, of course, would be this man here. <laughs> that is California Attorney General Rob Bonto. <laughs> hey, Mr. Bonta. Oh, wait, Bonta. Bonta. Rob Bonta. What's up, Bonta? Okay, so uh, article here says California Attorney General Rob Bonta announced on Monday that California would restrict state-funded travel to Arkansas, Florida, Montana, North Dakota, and West Virginia because of this anti-LGBTQ legislation that they recently enacted in their states. And it says here, uh, it's called Assembly Bill 1887. And uh, Bonta says that it's about aligning our dollars with our values. When states discriminate against LGBTQ Americans, California law requires our state take action. Assembly Bill 1887 became part of California law in 2016. So that's why we're bringing it up here now, ladies and gentlemen, because this goes back a minute. And uh, it says, in response to a North Carolina law that required people to use public bathrooms according to the sex shown on their birth certificate. You know, I mean, I get it. Um, I understand. You know, I don't understand, actually. I don't understand. I don't understand. But then again, I'm not... 
I don't think I'm a girl, you know, and that I need to use the girl's bathroom. I mean, I knew several boys that would sit down peeing. I thought it was weird, but you know, it's, it's whatever. Uh, why can't you do that in a men's bathroom? Um, uh, you know, I don't often hear, well, you know, actually I take that back too. I have known women that were like, I want to go into the men's bathroom. And I mean, yeah. Uh, and it depends on where you are, you know, I mean, if you're in a gay club, who cares? But if you're like at a sporting event, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't see, I don't see women as being disrespectful towards men in a private bathroom. Like I see men as being disrespectful towards women, but I guess that is a totally different conversation and we should probably not have that here at this time. Um, what we will do, however, is we'll take a look real quick at this bill. <laughs> I'm not going to read all of it, even though it's all but three pages long. I'm going to go ahead and expand the view for you guys so you can see what it says. Just real quick, uh, um, Assembly Bill 1887, uh, low, low state government, discrimination, travel, existing law prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, national origin, ethnic group identification, religion, age, sex, sexual orientation, color, genetic information, or disability under any state program or activity. Existing law provides for officers and employees of the state when away from their headquarters for state business to receive travel expenses. This bill would prohibit a state agency and the legislature from requiring any of its employees, officers, or members to travel to or approving a request for state-funded or state-sponsored travel to any state that, after June 26, 2015, has enacted a law that voids or repeals uh, or has the effect of avoiding or repealing existing state or local protections against discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression, or has enacted a law that authorizes or requires discrimination against same-sex couples or their families, or on the basis of sexual orientation, gender identity, um, or uh, gender expression as specified subject to certain expectations. I apologize, exceptions. The bill would require the attorney general to develop, maintain, and post on his or her internet website a current list of states that after June 26, 2015, <coughs> have enacted such a law. <coughs> Excuse me. The bill would make it the responsibility of specified state entities to consult the list in order to comply with the travel and funding restrictions imposed by the bill. Oh, we got Paxton on the screen for Paxton. You're getting ahead of me. Jump back a little bit, buddy. All right, let's go back to uh, this man here. Okay, so <clears throat> there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Now, if you ask me, to me, this is a bit of an overreach and micromanaging. This is someone who's like, well, if we're not going to do it. You can't do it either. If we don't agree with you, it's just like, this is just, this, this is like micromanaging. They're trying to micromanage Californians and they're trying to tell them you can't go over there. I mean, I, I, I get the point of view of, um, of AG, um, AG Morsi over there in West Virginia. Come see our beautiful state. Come experience the magnificent hills. Come uh, play in the streams and 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 you know have dinner with the lovely people of West Virginia. But um, 
do you really want Californians going over there? No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, uh, it's just to me, it's just uh, they're they're trying to punish people. They're overreaching. It's overbearing. Nobody likes anybody like that. No one likes anyone who bullies and bosses people. And like he said, that's basically they're using financial bullying against West Virginia because they feel like they have the need to protect, uh, you know, I would say just to protect females from getting clobbered by males who want to be females in sports. Like, I mean, that's just being real about it. Like, that's just being real. Like, what are they, what, what is, what is, what is a sport that a male plays or, or, or act, uh, it performs in or whatever that a woman would do better that is already not female dominated. Does that make sense? Like, like wrestling, you know, if you, or, or this MMA fighter, you know, if you have a male going into a female, like they even have it with the weightlifting competitions over at what, like the Olympics, right? Obviously, someone who's physiologically a male is going to beat a woman um, just because of the physiology it has nothing to do. I mean, unless he's a I don't know. I mean, I could uh, let me put more feet in my mouth. Right. Anyway, <laughs> so, you guys understand what I'm talking about, though. I know you all know what I'm talking about. And like I'm thinking like color guard, like you don't have a male color guard team that competes and then uh i don't know a woman who wants to be a male joins the male color guard team you see what i'm saying like that doesn't happen <laughs> that doesn't happen so like and then everyone on the, all the guys are like well she was a woman and so she's more graceful than we are like that does not happen so anyways that okay um okay let me stop talking about that let's get over to ken paxton because when uh, this this ag bonta guy put this out uh, back in 2016, the attorney general of Texas, he went ahead and he made a big deal about it because he should. And, you know, Ken, you know, maybe it's your fault that we're getting Californians over here. Uh, no, just kidding. Maybe it's your fault that Silicon Valley is coming over. No, just kidding. I'm just playing. But uh, basically, Ken Paxton, he did have something to say about this. Uh, in February of 2020, uh, Ken Paxton, Texas AG, asked the Supreme Court to strike down California's ban on Texas over its law that lets agencies place children only in houses with a married mother and father, among other provisions. California asserted the law does protect agencies that discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. It is unsigned order. Basically, the Supreme Court just throws it out. OK, they dismissed it. Uh, they didn't explain why uh, they didn't really offer a challenge to it. However, Justice Samuel Alito and Justice Clarence, Clarence Thomas did dissent uh, as to the reason why they were not pursuing or not allowing the court to file this uh, this case from Texas, they said, uh, can we justify our refusal to entertain Texas's lawsuit on essentially the same ground that we would reject out of hand in the hypothetical diversity case just described, that is on the ground that our original jurisdiction no longer seems as important as it was when the constitution was adopted? and that a proliferation of original cases would crowd out more important matters on our appellate docket. So yes, they wanted to know why they wouldn't do it. They gave them no explanation, but basically case dismissed by the Supreme Court. The uh, state-funded travel to Texas from California just can't occur. 
It just can't occur. Boo, California. Why are your people so wonderful, but your government so terrible, California? Oh, my goodness. It's the flag of West Virginia again. Okay. We're not done with West Virginia just yet, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, one more story here from West Virginia. Uh, it seems that uh, the a state of West Virginia has just uh, passed a new law. This one's kind of cool. This one's going to follow up with uh, the next story. We're going to start talking about the Second Amendment a little bit. Just a Second Amendment story. This is kind of a Second Amendment story. Uh, it says that uh, uh, the state of West Virginia eliminates sales taxes on guns and ammo. Oh, hot diggity. Sales taxes gone on guns and ammo. Can you imagine what that would do? In a state like Texas, <laughs> uh, it says apparently that they've had a huge, a huge economic boost from eliminating the sales taxes on guns and ammo. It says a new law went into effect recently in West Virginia that eliminates the sales tax on all small firearms and ammunition, meaning that customers can purchase most handguns, shotguns and rifles without any sales tax. The law, which went into effect on July 1st, was enacted after the passage of House Bill 2499 earlier this year. The bill is designed to promote business and economic growth. And, you know, I believe that that is exactly what it's going to do. It says the law is also designed uh, to encourage gun and ammunition manufacturing in the state by allowing tax credits for arms and ammunitions makers. So that's brilliant, guys. I mean, it's the same thing like lowering your lowering your uh, corporate business tax. Like if they lower the corporate business tax in my city, boy, we'd have businesses flocking here and you making some money. So this law is going to encourage uh, ammunition and gun makers to make guns in the state of West Virginia. And on top of that, it's going to create more jobs. So that's always a good thing. Um, it says, uh, it said in May, the, uh, there was this company by the name of Ranger Scientific that makes ammunition. In May, the company uh, will build an ammunition plant in Montgomery due to that tax law. And they will, uh, they will then create 400 jobs there in Montgomery. So that's very good. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not every day that we see states taking this kind of action in support of Second Amendment, you know. Uh, they give an example of the state of Virginia. Not West Virginia, Virginia. Babs, I hope you're not in the audience, Babs, because I'm about to talk smack about your, your state. Uh, so the state of Virginia, they actually recently passed five new gun control measures. They're trying to control their guns down there in West Virginia, um, and those also went into effect on July 1st. Now, some of the laws from this gun control measure taken in the state of Virginia include prohibition of firearms at the state's capital grounds in Richmond, lengthening the amount of time the FBI can conduct a background check, and another law would prohibit domestic abusers from buying, owning, or transporting a firearm for three years after, they've, after they're convicted. I don't think there's anything wrong with that last law, to be honest with you. Uh, they have to wait three years. Fine by me, because they might still have a bone to pick with whomever they were abusing that sent them to jail. So uh, maybe they shouldn't have them at all. But then again, they need to protect themselves, too. And we can't take that right away from them. 
Oh, God bless America, ladies and gentlemen. God bless America. Okay, so let's talk about Second Amendment again. We're almost uh, we're almost wrapping it up tonight, guys. Woo! I hope you guys have been having a good time over there. Let me just pop in real quick. 17 Angels, thank you for the cookie. Liz Garcia, thank you for the cookie. I most definitely appreciate that, y'all. I was getting a little hungry up here on, on camera. 123SKG with the shades in the house. Thank you so much, D Patriots. Thank you for the cookie and also Bruce Banner. Thank you for the can, my friend. Uh, oh, uh, Kansas Mudcat also with the cookie. What did she say there? Peanut butter and chocolate chip. I can live with that. That's for sure, Kansas Mudcat. <laughs> uh, methods with the can. Again, thank you. Cheers, my friend. And uh, Just V also gifting the can. Uh, chatter nuts with a cookie. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you guys so much. Y'all keep me nice and refreshed here at the Sea Report. All right, let's get back to this story because uh, we're winding on down, ladies and gentlemen. All right, 2A news, more 2A news. <clears throat> this one was rather heartening. Nearly two-thirds of United States counties, that's right, nearly two-thirds of all United States counties, are now Second Amendment sanctuaries. That is a great thing indeed, ladies and gentlemen. The majority of all United States counties have been designated as Second Amendment sanctuaries, according to an analysis by SanctuaryCounties.com. As of June 20th, there are 1,930 counties protected by Second Amendment sanctuary legislation at either the state or county level representing 61% of 3,141 counties and county equivalents in all 50 states and the District of Columbia. Now, uh, Texas was the most recent state to pass constitutional carry, as well as to protect Texans from federal um, federal overreach when it comes to our uh, ammunitions and weapons, our Second Amendment, uh, the 21st state. Uh, but not so long ago, Nebraska and Missouri were the most recent two, aside from Texas, to join that. Uh, of course, that was Governor Mike Parsons over in Missouri who signed a bill that nullified federal gun laws in the state of Missouri. And uh, Governor Pete Ricketts over Nebraska, 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 that signed a proclamation giving Nebraska the same sanctuary for the Second Amendment designation. Uh, the article went on to say that while some state legislatures are not taking the same action, so some states aren't doing what we've done and other states, but officials in the counties, they have chosen to enact their own legislation. Again, ladies and gentlemen, it goes back to your own backyard. If your state wants to, you know, uh, be pigheaded and not give you your 2A rights and not make you a sanctuary state, then you can do it in your own locality. You can do it by the county. So that's what it's saying here, that even though some states are probably never going to go 2A, right, counties within the state are doing that. Can you imagine if you have a state that... Uh, Take, for example, what? Take, for example, Nevada, right? Uh, I, don't think, I don't know if Nevada is a two-way. I think Nevada might be a two-way. Never mind. Let me not use that one as an example. Take, for example, New York, New York State. And uh, the state's never going to go two-way because obviously everyone who controls it in, in the big cities, right? But all the other counties around those big city centers, they all go two-way. 
that's still awesome, you know, because everywhere will be a sanctuary city except for in those major city centers that want to remain blue and who are keeping the whole state blue because that's what's going on really, right? Same thing in California, right? <clears throat> so you can take it back and you can get this accomplished at your local level. So regardless of whether or not your state declares it to be a two-way sanctuary, well, you know, it basically is just not on paper, you know, just not on paper. So that's kind of, that's pretty cool. I think that's very heartening, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> it says roughly 1137, 1137 counties have taken it upon themselves to pass Second Amendment sanctuary legislation and likely hundreds of cities, townships, boroughs have done so at their level as well. Another good thing to note, and this was uh, this was over in the state of Utah. In the state of Utah, every sheriff in that state has pledged to uphold the Second Amendment. Every sheriff in Utah. That is great also, because again, when we're talking about the highest law of the land, it goes right back down to the sheriff. The sheriff is the highest designated elected official as law enforcement in any, uh, in any um, uh, county or precinct or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's, it's always, it always, always, always is the county sheriff. They're the highest letter, uh, higher than the federal, higher than the governor, higher than anyone in that state. The buck stops with them. So it's pretty cool to know that in the state of Utah, every sheriff in that state has taken a second amendment stance for their people. What do you guys think about that? Huh? That's pretty cool. If you ask me. All right. What is that on the screen here? Let me give you a bigger, a bigger picture of what this is. Boom. It says Sun Valley Lodge, Sun Valley Lodge. Maybe some of you guys heard this story. Sun Valley Lodge uh, in Sun Valley, Idaho is uh, the annual meetup place for big tech and media influence. Uh, uh, moguls, I guess you could say, um, as well as uh, t other titans of industry that meet up in Sun Valley, Idaho once a year to talk shenanigans and make battle plans and who knows what else, close deals, create mergers. Um, it's kind of been described as the Bilderberg of media and tech and policymakers. Isn't it crazy how they have these things? Like, Everyone has these, like all of these, these uh, billionaires, millionaires, all of these uh, globalists, they all have these annual meetings. And, you know, we're, we, the people are not always privy to them, but apparently we know about this now. Okay. So this is called the Allen and Company Conference. And it happens once a year in Sun Valley, uh, Idaho. So they go all the way up to Idaho, right? <laughs> it says tech executives media moguls and other titans of industry descend on Sun Valley, Idaho once again this year. Now, apparently they didn't have it last year because of the pandemic. Okay. Um, but uh, they will be meeting again this year at the uh, Sun Valley Resort. Um, and that's happening uh, this month, actually. It says it, it's taking place following the 4th of July on an invitation only week long event that will include panel discussions power lunches, plus outdoor events like biking, horseback riding, and white water rafting. 
the guest list for Sun Valley is once again overflowing with bold faced names with the cash and egos to spur a fresh wave of M&A. There's Apple's Tim Cook, Berkshire Hathaway's Warren Buffett, Walt Disney CEO Bob Chappick, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg, Netflix's Ted Sarandos and Reed Hastings, Sony CEO Kinichiro Yoshida, and Comcast Brian Roberts. They're joined in the Dealmakers Club by Liberty Glo Global Chairman John Malone and Top Lieutenants Mike Friars and Greg Maffey. Um, Live, Na Live Nation CEO Michael Rapino, CAA's Brian Lord, ICM's Chris Silberman, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella, Viacom CBS's Cherie Redstone, and Viking Global Investors Andrea Halverson. Also making the appearances will be Jason Killar, the Warner Media CEO who is widely expected to be the odd man out and lose his job when the company's spinoff with Discovery is finalized. AT&T chief John Stinky, who negotiated the pact with Zaslav, which was invited but is not attending. Uh, those who will not be attending this year include... Uh, Twitter and Square CEO Jack Dorsey, investor Peter Thiel, AT&T CEO John Stanky and Rupert and Lachlan Murdoch will not be in attendance. So that's very interesting. Wonder what they're going to be talking about up there. In an article from Variety, it says uh, that they speculate that the Sun Valley Confab, which has previously hosted corporate mega mergers such as Comcast purchase of NBC Universal, may once again hatch big media mergers as uh, the conference takes place at a time when most insiders believe that Hollywood and Silicon Valley are in the midst of an unprecedented period of consolidation. According to Variety, this year's guest list includes the usual lineup as we named, um, <clears throat> including the likes of Amazon's Jeff Bezos, Apple's Tim Cook. They're all going to be there. Now, uh, there was a video that was put out by this man. Some of you guys might know who he is. We actually played one of his videos here <laughs> about a week and a half ago. Although you never saw his face because it was the video where they were making fun of uh, Brian Stelter. Yeah, this is the man that makes the, he makes the funny voice for Brian Stelter that sounds like this. Yeah, this is Mark Dice. Uh, he had a few words to say about uh, this uh, confab meeting over there in um, uh, Sun Valley, Idaho. I thought it was pretty interesting. He explains it. So uh, let's let's listen to what he has to say. Hi, love one. Every time you drive by an empty or abandoned mall, no! visualizing King Kong size dollars. I just I cannot stand these. Okay. Sorry, guys. Hey, Love Warns, what's up? How you doing? I had the uh, video paused too long. That's why. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Every time people talk about the mainstream media conglomerates secretly collaborating with each other, visions of smoke-filled rooms and shadowy figures wearing expensive suits sitting around a table come to mind. While this may be an exaggerated expectation of a behind-the-scenes look at the issue, 
It isn't all that far from the truth. Every July since 1983, a small group of media moguls, tech titans, investors, politicians, and intelligence agency insiders all gather in the small town of Sun Valley, Idaho for a week of meetings to develop a consensus regarding policies for mainstream media, social media, and emerging communications technology. It's basically like the Bilderberg meeting for media. And since tech companies like Facebook, Twitter, Apple, and YouTube have become major players in the media industry, they all come together each year in Sun Valley trying to make sure that no emerging platforms can threaten their power. This is where industry leaders meet to buy up any small startups that have the potential to siphon off some of the market share from the dominant handful who are in control. And it's also the place where they develop and agree upon new Orwellian terms of service, gatekeeping strategies and censorship tactics for the social media platforms to make sure that certain voices and messages don't get too loud. The conference is hosted by a mysterious investment bank headquartered on Fifth Avenue in New York City called Allen & Company, which deliberately tries to avoid publicity and for many years didn't even have a website. They were the underwriters for Google's initial public offering, their IPO in 2004, and did the same thing for Twitter when they went public in 2013. Allen and Company had a long history of brokering major media deals that we all hear about while keeping themselves largely out of the spotlight. Fortune magazine once said to call the firm unusual would be an understatement. It's a privately held company, so their financial records are not public like they would be if they were traded on the New York Stock Exchange like other financial institutions. Who attends the Sun Valley Conference and what is discussed there is is confidential, but it's impossible for some of the high-profile attendees to stay off the radar. The Idaho Mountain Express, Sun Valley's local paper, says that it's obvious to the residents of the small town when the conference occurs because of the dozens of corporate jets that arrive at the Friedman Memorial Airport and locals spotting people like Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg around town. This is the place where Comcast agreed to acquire NBC Universal in 2009, the parent company of NBC Broadcasting, Universal Pictures, DreamWorks, the Sci-Fi Channel, E-Channel, USA Network, Bravo, the Weather Channel, Telemundo, and more. That's just one conglomerate, by the way. It's also where America Online and Time Warner had their merger negotiated, creating AOL Time Warner, where Microsoft's merger with NBC was settled, creating MSNBC, where Instagram and WhatsApp were bought by Facebook, where Microsoft bought LinkedIn, and where BET, Black Entertainment Television, was sold to Viacom, making the channel's founder, Robert Johnson, the first black billionaire in America. Viacom, by the way, which also owns MTV, Nickelodeon, Spike, VH1, Comedy Central, Paramount Pictures, and many more media assets, is responsible for turning BET from what was supposed to be a network about African-American issues into a ghetto culture channel that airs rap videos and TV shows, encouraging the very worst aspects of the black community. Co-founder Sheila Johnson later admitted that she was ashamed of what happened to BET after her and her then-husband Robert sold it to Viacom at the Sun Valley Conference. This is also the place where new and promising media and tech companies, which are often one and the same now, 
are bought up by major conglomerates like Viacom, Time Warner, CBS, Disney, News Corporation, Comcast, also known as the big six media monopolies, which work together to buy any new emerging companies, social media platforms, news websites, or apps that they feel could grow into threats to their oligarchy. While the meeting receives little press coverage, the New York Times once admitted that, yes, high net worth individuals, many of whom have their hands on the lever of the media and entertainment economy, gather in one place, and business is undoubtedly being conducted. But anything noteworthy takes place out of view. In fact, much is out of view. Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Apple CEO, Tim Cook, the founders and CEOs of Google, YouTube, Yahoo, Twitter, Instagram, WhatsApp, and most of the top names in tech and social media startups are all there. This tube can make or break presidents, popes, prime ministers. This tube is the most awesome goddamn force in the whole godless world. And woe is us if it ever falls into the hands of the wrong people. Today, Google bought YouTube for $1.65 billion. Instagram, a company with only 13 employees, bought today by Facebook for $1 billion. Facebook has bought the mobile messaging service WhatsApp for $19 billion in cash and stock. AT&T and Time Warner, the parent company of CNN, have agreed to an $85 billion mega merger. To that blockbuster deal announced today involving our parent company, Disney, spending more than $52 billion to buy a significant portion of 21st Century Fox. Hulu, home to hits like Handmaid's Tale, is poised to become a key part of Disney's emerging streaming business, Disney+. Plus. And Disney became a 60% owner of Hulu when it bought Fox's entertainment assets back in March. Well, it may not seem that strange to have an annual gathering of the top names in media and tech. What is strange is the fact that the heads of the U.S. intelligence agencies are also in attendance. When he was the director of the CIA, George Tenet was the Sun Valley keynote speaker in 2003 and again in 2005. And after he retired from the agency, he still regularly attends. When General David Petraeus was the director of the CIA, he too attended, as is customary for the head of the Central Intelligence Agency each year. Why would the head of the CIA be meeting with the CEOs of the top tech and media companies? Well, if you know about Operation Mockingbird, I think the answer is obvious. This likely also involves lobbying the tech giants to include backdoors in their software to enable U.S. intelligence agencies to spy on users and to censor some information that's being distributed through the platforms, which is deemed to have national security implications. And so that the government can covertly monitor and manipulate the data that these megalithic corporations control. Considering the history of the CIA covertly influencing and censoring major news media through Operation Mockingbird and their entertainment liaison office overseeing the production of major blockbuster movies and television shows with the purpose of using them as covert containers for propaganda, combined with their mass surveillance of American citizens, their involvement with the Sun Valley Conference should be of great concern to everyone. But who other than me is talking about this? I'm sure that this is the first time that most of you have heard about the Sun Valley Conference. And if you want to learn more, order my book, The True Story of Fake News, in paperback from Amazon.com or download the ebook from any of the major ebook stores. If you like my videos, you're really going to love my book. So, yes, we will love your book, Mr. Dice. We will absolutely love your book. Um, look, it says right here, I love global warming. <laughs> Probably not a good uh, good image to have there for. I think it's an ad. 
yeah anyways okay um <laughs> so there you have it ladies and gentlemen he said it far more concisely than i could have said it uh struggling to get that on out of here um let me see uh, real quick i just wanted to say hello to always in texas service mom dog dragon fire energy 45 17 angels foxy lady the speak uneasy and from far away noticed you guys hopped into the chat since i last looked just thought I'd say hello. Okay, so that wraps it up for uh, that topic. So interesting enough, you know, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be something if uh, we had people going over to uh, this uh, Sun Valley, Idaho, and basically, uh, you know, uh, stalking and harassing all of these jerks that are meeting and having these meetings, you know, like they used to do at uh, what Bohemian Grove and Bilderberg and other places like that. Yeah, that'd be something interesting. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so you're probably wondering why does it say human trafficking on my screen? All right, this is going to be the stories where we wrap up tonight's C-Report. I hope you guys had a great time hanging out. Um, oh, yeah, and also, one, uh, 123SKG, thank you for the can. I appreciate that. Um, so we have uh, we have three stories of uh, human trafficking busts that happened. Uh, so I used to like to report on these types of stories just to keep people in the know, to let people know that this kind of work is still, in fact, taking place and that, um, you know, they have not stopped by any means uh, saving the lives of children, uh, freeing people from white slavery or sex slavery, and indeed taking in these people and holding them accountable, uh, even if they're small jobs or big jobs, they are occurring. So in one of the stories I had for you guys tonight, uh, this was the most recent one, Homeland Security arrests 82 people. 82 people were arrested. 31 were rescued during a human trafficking operation. And this took place in three cities, three locales, Wichita, Kansas, Independence, Missouri, and Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, the article said a recent operation conducted by Homeland Security investigations resulted in the rescue of 31 victims of human trafficking, including adults and children. Uh, the operation announced Tuesday took place between June 17th and June 26, 2021 in the aforementioned cities. Of the victims that were rescued, 14 were missing children, the youngest being four years old. The other 17 were adults, according to the United States Immigration and Customs Enforcement. The 82 individuals who were arrested will be charged with crimes related to soliciting prostitution, commercial sex trafficking, narcotics, and outstanding warrants. The operation was conducted by between um, Homeland Security officers and the local police departments. So that's a good story right there justice being served next story oh you get to see their faces okay let's just so you can see their faces let's bring let's put their faces on screen for you guys <clears throat> all right you know i mean everyone everyone has a mugshot at some point in their life i'm sure okay uh this is uh this story says 17 charged after sex trafficking uh after sex trafficking operation in nashville tennessee uh, an undercover sex trafficking operation in Nashville, Tennessee, has seen arrests and charges of 17 men. According to a release from the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department, the two-day undercover operation between June 24th and June 25th found that 17 men had allegedly agreed to pay for sex with an undercover officer who posed as a 16-year-old girl. 
the operation was conducted by um, M MNPD, human trafficking detectives, with assistance from the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations and Homeland Security Investigations. The man allegedly knowingly arrived at a hotel in response to an internet advertisement in the area of Donaldson Pike and Royal Parkway in Nashville. They allegedly entered a room and exchanged money for sex, after which they were arrested. Each were charged with trafficking for a commercial sex act. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to read their names. Okay. The identities of the 17 men have been released to the public as uh, Chatra Bougel, Terrence Green, Robert Ambrose, Shantez Brown, Joshua Haynes, Rex Payton, Eleazar Ramirez, Adolfo Ramirez, Barry Gardner, Dwayne Small Jr., Jack Davenport, Jack uh, Jai Kumar Patel, uh, Sorub Verma, Michael Corsero, Freddy Padilla, Biomb Isa, and finally, Abraham Sanchez. All right. So those are the scoundrels right there having sex with or trying to have sex with uh, minors. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigations has a statewide public awareness campaign. It has to stop de dedicated to informing the public about human trafficking in efforts to stamp out the criminal industry. According to Bureau a child is bought or sold for sex about every two minutes, and the average age of the child sold for sex is 13 years old. Reports of human trafficking have increased across Tennessee over the last several years, with the Tennessee Human Trafficking Hotline receiving 456 calls in 2018, 728 calls in 2019, and 898 calls in 2020. And that was a report that came out from local station WKRN citing the data from TBI. So there's that story. And we got one more for you guys. One more for the one more victory over uh, this scourge of America and of the man. This one's out of Georgia. U.S. Marshals in Georgia rescue 16 children believed to be victims of sex trafficking. Uh, it says a series of raids conducted by U.S. Marshals in Georgia resulted in the recovery of 20 missing and endangered children with over a dozen of the victims suspected of being sex trafficking victims, authorities announced. The mission was dubbed Operation Not Forgotten 2021, and it was led in the metro Atlanta area over a two-week period and was the third of its kind with the previous operation dating back to August 2020. The Office of the Attorney General partnered with United States Marshals Missing Children's Unit and Southeast Regional Task Force, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and state and local agencies during the operation. The identities of 20 child victims, of which 16 were suspected to be a victim of sex trafficking, are withheld for privacy reasons, obviously. In a separate statement published by the United States Marshals on Wednesday, they announced that 35-year-old Wayne Marcel of Connecticut was taken into custody at 8.30 a.m. during a raid 
that stemmed from Operation Not Forgotten, 2021. In the process, Marcel's arrest, another trafficked endangered child, was recovered. Authorities said the suspect has been charged with first-degree sexual assault and risk of injury to a minor. Since 2015, operations conducted by federal authorities with the assistance of the United States Marshal Service have resulted in the recovery of more than 1,800 missing children. So indeed, this story, this cause has not ended by any means. And I'll be real honest with you people. I never heard these stories. I never read these stories. I never saw these stories prior to President Trump's uh, uh, presidency. Um, and uh, I figured a lot of people thought that they would stop since, you know, they figure he's not in office anymore. But um, I think uh, the efforts that he put have had long lasting effects. And I say uh, amen to that. And uh, God bless those who are fighting this. It's a righteous fight. Indeed, it's, it's really a battle there. That's, that's one of the darkest, darkest, darkest things I think that plagues humankind. But I don't want to get off into that philosophical debate. We are at the conclusion of the Sea Report for today, Monday, July 5th. I hope all of you had a great time. Uh, Blonde Blue Lady Q, thank you for the cookie so much. I most appreciate it. And uh, thank you, everyone, for hanging out tonight. And, uh, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, we will be back again tomorrow, of course, as always. I'm going to go ahead and do uh, another shameless plug here again. If you guys would like to hear the C Report on podcast form, because thine eyes cannot always be attached to a screen, uh, check out anchor.fm slash the C Report. And uh, that's the home base for the C Report in podcast form. We are currently up to date. All 111 episodes minus this one, the 112th, are uploaded and available for you all to uh, to listen to and enjoy if, if that's what you do when you hear the C Report. Um, you can also subscribe to the C Report on any major podcast platform, uh, except for iHeartRadio. Uh, we're on everything else, Spotify, uh, uh, you know, was it... Uh, Google, Apple, all of them, you know, all of them, all of them, okay? <laughs> Everyone but iHeart. So check that out, ladies and gentlemen. Subscribe to it, you know, in case, you know, you, you ever can't get to uh, the Foxhole app or to uh, see the live stream. That's where I'll be. And also, should I happen to miss doing a live stream, um, I usually will still do the radio report and I'll upload it on the podcast. That rarely happens, uh, but when it does happen, that is a good recourse to have if you'd uh, like to catch it uh, um, another day. If not, there's always the replays, ladies and gentlemen. There's always the replays. All right. Let me go ahead. Hey, speak and easy. Uh, Thank you, sir. Thank you for coming in and hanging out with the fam. I'm going to go ahead and release the scratch off now. Boom. Oh, wait. Well, where'd it go? Did they take the scratch offs away? They couldn't have. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, don't be mad at me, but I don't see a scratch off option on my side of the bunker. <laughs> Let's see. I don't see it. Did they change it? Did they move it? I see um, I see two new ships, but I don't see a scratch-off. Where is the scratch-off? 
I don't see a scrap. Oh, hey. Oh, Policy for Hope. Thank you so much. Blonde Lady Q gave you, oh, sorry, two cookies. Yay, thank you. And thank you for the cookie, Posse. Um, okay, ladies and gentlemen, please don't be upset with me, but I do not see a scratch off here. Hmm. This is weird. Hmm. Hmm. All right, everyone. Y'all better write to the Pilled crew. The scratch off is missing. Uh, my ability to release it. Okay. So this this will carry over, ladies and gentlemen. I'm looking at the bottom. Speak uneasy. <laughs> Here, let me show you my screen. No, oh, that isn't really. That isn't really. Oh, there we go. See, it just says cookie can. And then it goes to Lotto Ticket. That that made no sense, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know why I did that. It didn't work. Anyways, okay. Oh, I have to update. Okay. All right, ladies. Well, I can't update on the air, so I apologize. I do do most do do please accept my heartfelt apologies. I'll get that ready by tomorrow for sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen. In the meantime. <laughs> Y'all have a great night. Enjoy the rest of your Monday evening, wherever you may be in these great United States of America or abroad. Thanks for tuning in. This is Mr. C signing out for the C Report, and I will see you all tomorrow.